radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. He's dumping the puck back in. Campoli trying to clear it. Ball shoots. Scores! Chances to seal it and then finally won it in sudden death overtime. Finally, after three seasons and 19 playoff games against Chicago for Vancouver, it's a wonderful day for an exorcism. Thursday, February 7th, 2019, I am Brutes Pataglia of Puck77.com. And uh, I'm James Cole of uh, Puck77.com, and uh, Thursday, eh? Thursday. Coming at you a day early. Yeah, so you remember last podcast when I said we'll be out on the 8th? Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little surprise. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, I guess we're a Thursday podcast now, and by that I mean probably the next two weeks. Because next week should be Thursday, because the week after we have our bonus episode of the Oscar predictions coming out. So we figured we'd release a little early, give you something to do on Valentine's Day for all you single folk. Because if you listen to this podcast, I know you're probably single. (laughs) Wow. Um, Movie updates, you watch anything? I didn't. Holy fuck, (laughs) man. We are recording this bonus episode in, like, seven days. You have seven days to watch, like, 17 movies, and, like, you're the busiest guy I know. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to do it? Um, a lot of dedication. Coffee. Uh, a little bit of booze. A little yeah. bit of blow. A little bit of... Nice. Hookers. A little bit of... Okay. Uh, no, I don't know. Things that you're known for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll... I'll put it together pretty quick, or maybe I'll have to, you know, watch, you know, the kind of like the middle six of a movie, and then you know, leave out the intro, leave out the conclusion, and just you know, like a like a essay that you have to hand in the next day. You don't read the whole book; you read, you know, the bulk of the middle. I used to do the opposite. I would read the beginning and the end, and oh, really? skip the middle a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <It> seemed quicker. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I watched Can You Forgive Me, starring Melissa McCarthy, for which she is up for an Academy Award. Also, Richard E. Grant is up for an Academy Award for it. Uh, It was fantastic. I don't think it deserved a Best Picture nominee, but I really enjoyed it. thought it was a really interesting story. Now, I will say this. I don't think it deserved a Best Picture nominee most years. I think it was better than 75% of the movies that are nominated. I thought it was really good. Now, what I will say, what I also watched was if Bill if Beale Street could talk which I will say is probably the best movie I've seen this year other than Black Klansman not nominated for best picture it's not nominated for almost anything other than uh, best supporting actress and it might have got a best adapted screenplay nod but uh, I thought it was fantastic Barry Jenkins who did uh, Moonlight it was great I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was. A, I think it's a huge snub, not to get nominated, but we'll talk about it uh, on the bonus episode. 
I mean, uh, I, I, I have seen six of the films. I just looked it up real quick. No, oh. I've already seen six of them prior to. Which ones have you seen? I've I've seen you've Stars, seen Stars, Born, Stars yeah. Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther. Um, oh, where were they? There's a couple others that I've seen. Oh, the the animated one that uh, it's up. Um, Incredibles two. Ooh, I gotta watch that. that. I started watching it. I found it boring. I gotta I gotta start yeah. it again. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I watched that. Yeah, yeah, that was alright. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't have five, a, but that's still pretty good. List to... Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, hockey. Yeah. Uh, quickly, I wanted to touch on the fact that Ilya Kovalchuk returned to New Jersey last night, and it was everything we hoped it would be. Oh, you mean Ilya <laughs> Kovalchuk? That Are guy. The, so the best part was the L.A. Kings and like the L.A. Kings played it perfectly, right? Like they were just trying to like kind of play it off, like it wasn't even happening, and the 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 announcer was just like, "Oh, they're now they're chanting Kovalchuk." <laughs> and there's just, like, a big silence on the broadcast. Jim Fox is like, I don't think that's what they're saying. <laughs> Are they saying boo or boo earns? You see the King's uh, Twitter page? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was great. Two! Two. Yeah, for those of you who didn't see, the, the LA King's Twitter tweeted out uh, that the fans in New Jersey were saying two in honor of the games that they won in the Stanley Cup Final in 2012. Nothing like a good old seven-year-old joke. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. I also wanted to touch quickly on Alex Edler, who, for those of you who didn't see, was injured quite gruesomely the other night um, in their game in Philadelphia. He is, I believe, still in hospital, doing quite well, apparently. Uh, he was actually only diagnosed with a concussion, and he was stitched up. But he landed, fell face-first, hit his jaw right on the ice, and... Uh, it looked like it was going to be a pretty serious injury, if not some fractures. It looked like one of those things where he might need, like, corrective surgery. Like, it looked terrible. And uh, apparently he's doing quite well. So we wish him well. We hope uh, I wish him the best, and I'd like to see him back in the lineup because I hope the Vancouver Canucks make the playoffs. And I also... You don't want to see anyone get injured like that. It was a pretty freak sort of occurrence, but... Yes, uh, Sportsnet saying a, a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, a minimum That's... week, anyway. That's uh, that'd be wild. That, that's crazy. He might be back. Like he probably is going to be back before the trade deadline. Yeah. Like all things told, like that, that's that's awesome, but crazy. Yes. <laughs> like anyway, so good for Alex Edler. Uh, the one big topic we have to get to before we begin. Oh yeah, I don't even know if I mentioned this is your trade deadline extravaganza episode. Um, yeah. So we will get to that shortly. But I uh, I decided that we should mention this before we actually talk about his team later. Because I think it's separate discussions that need to be have, or need to be had. Austin Matthews uh, has signed an extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a five-year, fifty-eight point one seven million dollar extension. Insert cash register sound effect. Yeah, uh, I, I like, I don't understand the resistance. Really, it's it's roughly the same percentage of a cap hit as what Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves got on their five or six-year deals coming out of their entry level. To me, it's a standard deal. Like, it's almost the same as, like, an entry level. Like, it, it was almost... I looked at it, I saw the terms. It was kind of like an automatic deal. It was almost like the a computer-generated contract. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll do this. It, it didn't look anything special to me. It looks like a standard deal. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's fine. It, it's a it's a less of a percentage than Conor McDavid. And when you put those two head-to-head, I mean, you know, Conor McDavid's obviously the superior player. But everybody else in the league is kind of behind those two guys in terms of, of what they've done since they've entered the league. Um, so yeah, you're like, you're getting a, you're getting a player of that caliber. I, I think maybe the only criticism you could make if you want to be 
really picky about it is I'm, I'm sure a lot of Leaf fans would have preferred to see him stick around for seven, eight years. But mm-hmm. all that's going to do is drive up the, the price of the AAV, and, and now you can't afford to well, put anybody with him. So. It could potentially drive the AAV down, right, because you're spreading out more money over a greater length of time. But what my thought was, and what I think a lot of people refuse to acknowledge here, and, you know, like, for a market that thinks so negatively, and everyone's got to think negative, like, here's something negative that I think no one really thought about, is eight years is more time for things to go wrong. (laughs) If things go wrong in these five years, it's going to look a lot worse, or sorry, a lot better than if things go wrong in eight years. And so, for me there is a greater likelihood that he signs an eight-year extension following this five-year deal than if they did an eight-year deal and he's 29 and the Leafs aren't really where they want to be and the Arizona Coyotes are looking pretty good or, you know, the New York Rangers are looking pretty good. You know, they have money. They can pay Austin Matthews. So to me, I think this buys the Leafs the right amount of time to get all their chips in order where they want it. Um, They clearly have a plan and and to me, I, I... I don't know. I don't. I don't see any issue with the deal. Like I think it's a standard sort of deal um, for those people who are saying bye bye Mitch Marner. You know, I think there's going to be a lot more of a complicated negotiation there. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't really see any evidence that Mitch Marner's in that neighborhood. So um, yeah, and I don't. I don't really agree with the sentiment there either because there was absolutely no way that Mitch Marner's camp was going to sign a deal before they knew what Austin Matthews was getting. What what so, what player in the league now? Like, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, a current player who, you know, let's say is above 25, who's gone through this before, who would you compare Mitch Marner to? That's a tough question. Um, like, I, I mean, it, it is... I don't know if there's anyone who brings exactly what Mitch Marner brings, but he brings reminiscent things of other players in the league. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. Like, uh, to what he means to his team, maybe... Maybe like a a, a a low end Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Um. Obviously, doesn't put the puck in the net like Kucherov does, but you know, they, Tampa's got Stamkos. You know, they've they've got uh, these other pieces are, are on on the team that you've got to kind of compete with internally. And like, look, like Marner's leading the team in points. It, it's not Austin Matthews. It's not John Tavares. Mm-hmm. It's Mitch Marner right now. So, in in a lot of ways. You can make the argument that, yeah, maybe he, maybe he is the best player on the team. But I think when you really dive into the numbers and you get behind the curtains a little bit, I mean, you know, you look at the winners of the Stanley Cup the last few years, and uh, centermen are, are, are what wins the championships at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, maybe a, well, a elite a, defenseman and, and, a, and a top centerman. A centerman, look, this is not to devalue Mitch Marner, because over the last year, Mitch Marner has really grown on me. Uh, you can confirm, like, before we had a podcast, I had some reservations about Mitch Marner. And I really don't anymore. Like, I think he's a fantastic player. I would even make the argument he's semi-underrated in the sense that I think he's one of the best defensive forwards in the league and he never gets... But that's neither here nor there. But what the argument is, is that regardless of if Marner maybe brings more on a nightly basis, it is harder to come by a centerman like Austin Matthews than it is a winger like Mitch Marner. The Mitch Marners don't grow on trees. They don't come around every day either. But I'm just saying it's easier to find patchwork jobs at wing than mm-hmm. it is at center. Yeah. Because you're never going to find another guy like Austin Matthews in a Maple Leaf jersey. It's no. just never going to happen. So this is this is something you have to take advantage of. For me with Mitch Marner, 
is Mitch Marner reminds me of a better offensive, or sorry, a better defensively, worse offensively, Patrick Kane. When Patrick Kane was 21. Patrick Kane signed a five-year deal coming out of his entry level that was, it was worth $6.3 million, but at the time that was 11% of the cap. Hmm. Which at this point in time, I did a little bit of homework this morning, um, would be $9.35 million for Mitch Marner. Is that based on this year's cap or next year's? That was based up? off an $85 million projection, hmm. I did that. Okay. So that is based off where the cap is slated to go. My thought is Mitch Marner is probably going to come in closer to 10 Yeah. But I think it's really, really tough to make the argument that he's worth any more than that. Because I don't think he has much of a leg to stand on in terms of comparables elsewhere. And I don't think he's the best winger we've ever seen. So it's, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's not as good as Ovechkin. Yeah. So who else would you compare him to coming out of an entry-level deal? Like, to me, it's Patrick Kane. Sure. So, I don't think this is going to be as difficult as people think it is. I think maybe the Leafs have come in around $9 million and his agent's annoyed. And whatever. Like, I don't know why he's annoyed, because they were not even supposed to be negotiating as far as I know. But... Regardless, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I look at it and like I, I, I'm not even sure the Leafs expected what they're getting out of Mitch Marner because I think if they did, maybe they don't go after Patty Marlowe as, as aggressively as they did a couple years ago, right? Because like Mitch Marner, he's I, I would put him around ten million dollars. Like I went through the the cap friendly thing, you know, when Austin signed, and I took a look and I put I think I put in Mitch Marner ten million dollars. Let's you know let's see mm-hmm. what that looks like, and. Again, like you've got you've got a couple contracts that are holding you back a little bit. You know, you look at Zaitsev, you look at maybe maybe Connor Brown, Patty Marlowe sticks out, but only because of the fact that he's he's where he is in his career. You know, he's has he been worth six million dollars to the Leafs the last couple of years? I think so. You yeah, know, for I, what for I, what he I, brings I so off too, the honestly. ice, you know. Um, but even on the ice, like he like he's playing some of the best hockey he's played in the last like, sure. four or five years. Like, yeah. he looks better than he did in his last year in San Jose right now. He's playing right. really well. So, you know, unless the play really falls off there, you know, is that a contract you'd like to, you know, take off the books and maybe give, you know, half that salary to Mitch Marner and, you know, kind of f- fill the fill the gap that way? Sure, obviously, mm-hmm. because Patty Marlowe is probably not coming back after this contract ends. He's in all, all likelihood going to either retire or maybe go back to San Jose and end things off. But... And then you look at Mitch, who's you know a twenty-one-year-old kid that you want to keep around for the next ten years ish, and uh, so yeah, no, no doubt there's some some complaining to me maybe had amongst Leaf fans that you're paying the wrong winger, but you know, I think it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that Mitch Marner is going to be around for a long, long time, <laughs> and that uh, all the all the Leaf fans that are worried and saying that it's. It's one or the other at this point. I, I don't. I don't understand where that no. sentiment's coming I mean, there's from. There's so many things that can be done. Uh, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Like uh, until until Mitch Marner doesn't get signed the night before the season, and then he signs, and the Leafs are fucking nine million dollars over the cap or something. Then I'll worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. they have twelve hours to figure it out, otherwise they're going to get penalized. All right, then I'll then I'll be concerned. Right now, what the hell are we concerned about? We're we're yeah. we're in the middle of a playoff race. This doesn't matter at all right now. What are we worried about next year, years to come? Why don't we worry about winning this year? Mm-hmm. This no, is what we've exactly. got right now. Yeah. So I don't know. For I, I don't really care. No, sir. One one question I do have for you quickly hmm. is um, there's been some reaction around around the NHL from uh, other GMs about uh, the way that this Austin Matthews contract is structured. So if you take a look at it, his base salary 
uh, at any point during the five years never exceeds $750,000 in a season. Between next season and the season after, through signing bonuses alone, he's going to make over $30 million. Mm-hmm. Do you see this as perhaps being something that is discussed in the next uh, yes. lockout? Absolutely it is. Because 100% there is, is a, an unfair advantage, some would, some would say, that... Uh, richer teams such as the Leafs and the Cadians and the Rangers can offer these huge signing bonuses and not have to pay the consequence financially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in this regard. And it takes away from potential to sign in, in smaller markets. So This is another reason why offer sheets don't concern me that much. Yeah. Is because the level playing field of 30 teams that can make an offer, 31 teams, I guess, that can approach Mitch Marner with a contract on July 1st. It's not 31 teams. No. 31 teams can't afford Mitch Marner. The number's like six, eight, yeah, maybe. Sure. You know, yeah. it's not high. So uh, 100%, it's it's a it's something that'll come up in the negotiations for sure. Because, I mean, look, like, you can't blame teams for taking advantage of the way the rules, the no. way they are right now. You Definitely. know what I mean? This is what they're given. This is what they have to work with. Um, but that said, it is an unfair advantage. And, and I think it will be brought up now, whether or not anything happens, I don't know. I don't have a better idea. I'm not a lawyer. No, I'm exactly not a, I'm right, not a like, you know what I mean? I'm not an how NHLPA. Do you, how do you structure that? Do you, do you say that all base salaries must be 50% of what the AAV is sure. to some regard? Uh, does that work really in the big See, picture? The, the one thing that, that I don't have in terms of hockey knowledge or any other knowledge, really, I, I, again, I don't know what the benefit to a lot of these things are in the big picture. So I don't have a solution how it could work out or what they should do, but it's definitely unfair. I get that, and it could be improved, and if they find a way to improve it, great. Hmm. As long as it doesn't drastically change the game for the worse, I, I don't see why not. Well, for the next five years, I don't have to worry about it. So no, I'm, I don't really care. I'm happy. Yeah, I have uh, I have two jerseys of the <laughs> Leafs right now, current players that are on the team, and they're both signed for a while, so I think I'm okay. David Clarkson being the other one. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> We're still paying Nathan Horton. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's let's get into our trade deadline talk. So what I what I figured we would do is we're going to go team by team, and we're going to allot ourselves about three minutes. We're going to do it, pardon the interruption style, uh, plus a minute. But I'm going to give us a little bit of leeway if we want on certain teams to kind of take some extra time. We could we could bank time. You yeah, know? Like if we'll, we rush through the New Jerseys we'll, of the world, we can. I imagine there's going to be at least about eight or nine teams, or it's less than a three minute discussion. So, um, but we're going to get to that. We want to address every team and see what it is they should do. And I figured we will just go alphabetically, just to make things easy. Um, there's no point in going division by division because it's going to open up bigger discussions and things like that. So, uh, are you are you ready, sir? I think I'm uh, <clears throat> more or less prepared. Okay. Uh, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. <laughs> They're the Anaheim Mighty Ducks now because they've been wearing their uh, Mighty Ducks jerseys on this road trip, and boy, it's been working out swell. If you haven't been watching, you you uh, you said Anaheim Ducks just now, and all that came to mind in my head was. Oh my God! Jesus Christ! They yeah, fuck. Maybe they maybe they should be Yakety Sacks here. No, I think we got a we got another team we're saving Yakety Sacks for this week. The Anaheim Ducks. I, I think it's pretty clear what they need to do, but what they will do and what they should do might be two different things. What they should do is fire Randy Carlisle and try to retool as much as they can to salvage what is left of this year. What they will do is probably next to nothing. I don't imagine they're going to 
buy. I don't imagine they're going to sell much. They don't have a ton in terms of rental options to sell out. And I wouldn't give up any prospects to try to patchwork what's there. So I don't expect them to do a ton. What about you? Uh, all I have in my list is Fire Randy Carlisle. That yeah. is the only thing that you can do at this point to make this season even um, remotely watchable. Uh, there's this argument going around like, well, who are you replace him with? Who are you replace? Well, does it matter? Yeah. If that guy loses, you're in the same spot you are now. If that guy does a better job, then fantastic, you're improving. Um, they just got Corey Perry back. This is this is an older roster. Okay, this this is not a team yeah. that I don't think anyone was really taking to win a cup. Let alone maybe John Gibson having a, a phenomenal season. The wheels seem to be falling off there to some degree. I don't know. Like, what do you do? Like, are you realistically going to make the playoffs at this point? Probably well, not. If 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 they can find a home for Corey Perry or Ryan Kessler, they will. Yeah. But they're not going to. Uh, short of eating half the cap hit on those deals, they're not going to find a solution there. And I mean, Perry maybe. Kessler, there's no chance he's getting moved. Like, let's be realistic here. In terms of rentals to give away, they have, you know, Derek Grant they might be able to get a pick for. Um, the only piece that is of substance that they could move and get a good return for is Jakob Silverberg, who apparently they have almost no interest in trading. They think he's one of the best two-way forwards in the league. I wouldn't say he's one of the best, but I would say he's very good. Um, so if I'm the Ducks, yeah, I would like to keep uh, uh, Jakob Silverberg long-term. So it's up for them to sort of measure up against, see where they're at, and determine what is more beneficial for them to try to do. And I think the only way that they can not mortgage the future and try to salvage what's left of this season and plan for the future at the same time is to fire Randy Carlisle. Because his track record... Like, he has not had a team who has the puck more than they don't have the puck on average in at least the last 10 years behind an NHL bench. Like, he has not been a good NHL coach since fucking Travis Moen and Samuel Paulson were on the best third line of all time. That That's a long time removed. There's probably people listening to this podcast that have never even heard of Travis Moen. So, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's about it. Okay. The Phoenix Coyotes. Because it sounds better than the Arizona Coyotes. I was thinking that the other day. Does it? It's weird to say. It doesn't make sense alphabetically. It, well, whatever. Phoenix starts with an A. Uh, what... Do you think the Coyotes should do? Because that is an intriguing thing. <sighs> yeah. Um, look, I've wanted Arizona to be so good for a long time now. And it, this is a team that just seems to keep spinning their wheels and spinning their wheels. And they can never seem to get going. Like, this this rebuild's been going on since '09 or whenever they made that conference final appearance. And they did some good things. Like, they, they've gone up. They've gotten Galchenyuk the last couple of seasons. You know, they, they've added guys in that, like Ranta and... Uh, they they brought in um, some some good pieces. Derek Ste- step on another one, and uh, it just hasn't come together. I don't I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if the the guys just aren't gelling in the room. I don't know if there's maybe too much of a gap between guys like Stepan and and Keller, where there's just you know maybe like an age thing that's going on. I don't know what the problem is necessarily because I I think on paper this isn't a bad roster, but it's it's not working. Um, 
I know what the problem is. You know what the problem They're is? They're incredibly hurt. Like, incredibly hurt. That's definitely They're, they are missing yep. a lot of their best players. Like, uh, not counting Dave Bolin and Marion Hosa, who are just kind of on the books for show. But, like, they're missing Jason Demers, who's a top four defenseman for them. They're missing their number one goaltender. They're missing Michael Grabner, who's a top six winger. They're missing their third line center, Brad Richardson. They're missing one of their top four defensemen as well, Jakob, or Jacob Trickren. Uh, they're missing Christian Dvorak, and most importantly, they're missing arguably their best forward in Nick Schmaltz. Like, he has been fantastic since coming over. So, for me, like, this is a matter of, you know, the injuries are killing them, but they're still close to the race. Do you make a move? I think they make a small move. I don't think they're in on a Panarin or in on a, a Mark Stone. But I think this is a team where you could take a look and, you know, maybe Kevin Hayes has some something to offer this team. Or, you know, even Gus Nyquist, if you can get him at a reasonable price. Like, I think there is a move to be made here for the Coyotes. I wouldn't mortgage the future, and I don't think John Chaka is the type to think that way. Uh, I think of him as Kyle Dubas's twin brother. I feel like they would make a similar move in this situation. Yeah. But, I, I don't know. I, I think they're close enough, they're good enough, the race is wide open enough. And that market, more than anything could use some fans in the seats in April. They could use something to cheer for. They could use some jersey sales, some ticket revenue. Um, you know, and it's a theme I'm sure we're going to get to on this podcast a few times where, like, I don't really think either of us buy into the whole there's no benefit of losing in the first round sort of philosophy because I think there is a lot to be gained for certain markets to make the playoffs and lose in the first round. So for me, uh, I think they will make some sort of a move. I just think it's going to be a lighter end move. Okay. Um, the Boston Bruins will shift over here to the to the Eastern Seaboard, and uh, it's, a, it's a long drive. See, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we're flying. What's <laughs> what? Are, what do the Bruins do? Uh, if, if I'm Boston, I'm looking at maybe uh, replicating what they tried last year in uh, in a Rick Nash uh, rental acquiry. I think a middle six winger is something that this team could really utilize. Um, uh, as a Leaf fan, I can't believe I'm saying these things out loud, but. To help their playoff chances, I might see them go after a guy like maybe Chris Kreider in uh, New York, or maybe maybe the right guy, in my opinion, is Wayne Simmons out of Philadelphia. If you could prize mm-hmm. someone like Wayne Simmons out of Philadelphia, stick him on even your third line at worst, I think that's a that's a dangerous offensive unit that, that's really rolling. He plays a Boston-style hockey game, too, you know what I mean? Like That's a guy that I, I always kind of thought would play well in, uh, in, in Massachusetts, so... Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any question the Bruins are probably going to add a piece before the deadline because the Bruins, they have to know, everyone around the league has to know, this is not a team that's going to run into the playoffs and and hammer the Lightning or, or you know what I mean, roll over the Leafs or, or even the Montreal Canadiens would give them some trouble right now. Like, the Bruins are not quite where they should be, quite where they want to be. Um, it's not to say they've been bad either, like, they're having a good season, but... Um, they're at a point this year where I think they could use some help. You know, Charlie McAvoy's still kind of trying to get his game back and, and things like that. They're not 100% sure what the hell's going on in net. It's a good problem to have until it becomes a problem. They're both playing well right now, but they've both not played well at points this year. So if they don't play well altogether at the same time and you don't have the right team in front of them, the Bruins are in a lot of trouble. So my thought is that the Bruins know they need some help. They have quite a 
strong prospect pool, I would argue. I think the Bruins are going to be where Artemi Panarin ends up. And I hate to say it, because <laughs> I don't want to see that, but I legitimately think Panarin is the difference between this team being um, a good team that makes the playoffs and makes a little bit of noise, and an opportunity to maybe make it out of the East um, in a year where the East is pretty damn good. So I think they're going to be in on some big fish, and I, I think Panarin would be the ultimate fit there. But like you said, they might miss out on Panarin too, like a Kreider, a Simmons, a Kevin Hayes, um, you know, even Silverberg if they can pry him away from Anaheim. I think they could use some help up front. I don't think they're too concerned about their D right now. Their D is still pretty solid, so I, I do think that that's what they end up doing. You're good. You're good. The uh, the Buffalo Sabers, sir. Do you have some thoughts? I wouldn't. I wouldn't change much in Buffalo. Um, I th- I think that they're, you know, they're coming together. Uh, they've got a lot of good pieces. There's so, like so much talk about this team finally being ready. Uh, you know, that big winning streak. I think they were what like 17 wins in their first 25 games. Something ridiculous. That's not really what the Buffalo Sabers were ever going to be this season. Um, a wild card spot was kind of always, I think, the best that they were ever going to do. Uh, they're slowly drifting further and further away from that reality at this point, but I don't think it's a it's a reason to panic. You know, like I mean, like you've you've just got Darlene. This is his rookie season. Uh, you just gave you know the starting job to a guy that's never been a starter. Just give these guys some time. Um, figure out a way to keep Jeff Skinner in town long term. Sign that guy to a contract. Um, maybe if you find yourself back in the race in a couple weeks, maybe go out and get some defensive depth because I think that's one of their, their mm-hmm. biggest problems. But I, I really wouldn't panic. I'd, I'd stay the course and just you know be happy that this season isn't thirty first out of thirty first for a change. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be positive about in Buffalo. One thing that does sort of concern me right now is um, again they're another team where they don't have a ton to offer in terms of rentals. I think a guy that they could move out and get quite a bit for is Jeff Skinner. But Jeff Skinner right now seems to be the difference between them being a bad team and being a semi-relevant team. So for me, it's going to depend whether or not they convince Jeff Jeff Skinner to stay. I think Jeff Skinner would be incredibly dumb to leave Buffalo. Like I think that is such a good fit. There is no reason I would hit unrestricted free agency if I'm Jeff Skinner because I don't know if I'm going to find a team where I can produce anywhere close to this. And if you are finding a way to be one of the most productive team or players on the team that you're on, you know, logic would dictate that you're in a situation where you might be able to help this team be good one day. And this might be the best spot for Jeff Skinner to be a productive forward. So if I'm Jeff Skinner, I stay, but whether or not he's thinking that way, I don't know, and I think that's kind of where they need to head into this deadline. Regardless, I'm asking Jason Pominville to waive his no-movement clause, and I'm trying to find him a home at 50% the cap hit and seeing if, you know what I mean, maybe he can help out a, a playoff team. Uh, Zemgis Gjergensen's might be another guy worth moving out at this point. I'm not really sure that he's turned into what maybe they thought he would a few years ago, and and maybe he can serve a playoff team a little bit better. He's a guy, he's a restricted free agent, so they still have control. If they were to trade him somewhere else, that team would have control. Um, Nathan Beaulieu is a guy who's requested a trade. I think 100% he's going to get traded before the deadline. I don't think there's any fit for him in Buffalo, and I think he's 
a guy that deserves a legitimate opportunity because he's kind of got jerked around his whole career so far. So, um, yeah, if I'm Buffalo, long story short, I'm selling. Okay. I, I don't see why not. I, I really don't think that the underlying numbers support this being a fantastic team. Uh, again, if you make the playoffs, it's good for your fan base. It's good for revenue. But I don't think the Sabres are even going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're nodding. And, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really look good to me. So uh, that's what I would do if I'm the Buffalo Sabres. Maybe uh, maybe I won't set the timer for this next one, because this might be one of the ones that deserves a little bit more attention to detail. Uh, for those of you who are good at alphabet... <laughs> at alphabet! At alphabeting, the Calgary Flames. Well, I ate my uh, alphagettis when I was young, so I knew what was coming. Nice. Um, you know what? I, I wouldn't do much in Calgary. I think this has been a really perfect storm of a season for them. Look, I, I, I had them making the playoffs, but I, I didn't have them, you know, first place in the West by any means. Um, and if I'm Calgary, I think maybe my my biggest thing, if I'm if I'm Brad Tree Living, I might shore up my goaltending depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at Mike Smith. I don't know how, how long those knees are going to hold out. I'm looking at Dave Rich. I'm going, this guy's never, you know, been here before. He's never danced the dance. If I'm Calgary... I might be calling Ken Holland and, and asking what the what the price on Jimmy Howard is. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I wouldn't do anything else. I wouldn't change a thing. Is Jimmy Howard the guy like you, you think that that he's a good enough goaltender to Well, really I I, do it I, for I think this you team? still stick with one of either Riddick or, or Smith. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think you want to change too much, but if if you have Jimmy Howard on the on the bench or maybe in the press box if you want to roll three three goalies through the playoffs, um I think that just adds a little something confidence-wise, you know. Uh, Bill Peters knows he's got a veteran he can go to if he has to. Uh, you know, some of the guys on the bench, you know, the uh, the, the veteran guys, Giordano um, and whatnot, they, they can kind of say, hey, you know what, Riddick just, you know, he, he's not quite there yet. He, he doesn't really know how to handle the pressure in the playoffs, but we got Jimmy Howard on the bench, and Jimmy mm-hmm. Howard can step in. And, yeah, it's a fair question. Is Jimmy Howard the guy you want to run through the playoffs with? But I don't think the Flames were really expecting to run with David Rich as long as they have either. So, mm-hmm. what's the lesser of two evils? I, I don't know, but that's what I would do. So it's it's funny to say this because it's the first team where we're talking about a legitimate cup threat, and this is the first team where I'm also going to say that they could use help in all areas. <laughs> like they, they could use some depth for sure. Um, I'm not so concerned up front because I think their top three lines are good enough that that fourth line's not really going to matter too much. I am a little concerned with their goaltending, like you mentioned. Now, I, I think I'm more of a David Riddick fan than most. Uh, I think David Riddick's pretty solid and probably I'm a big could fan. do the job, yeah. but probably could be the difference between you losing in the first round and making the Stanley Cup final, because this is still a team that they have areas of concern, as we're talking about. So, I think you're right. I, I, I would look into a guy um, like Jimmy Howard. I would look into Bobrovsky, but I don't think it's worth the price that they more than likely have to pay. Um, I don't think Cam Talbot's good enough. Like I, I think Howard's kind of your best option. The only other guy might be is if you can swing a longer-term sort of deal with a divisional rival in L.A. and looking at Jonathan Quick as a solution. But ultimately, I, I think your best bet is Jimmy Howard and just kind of get through this here and then see what you've got in, in the prospect pool moving forward. The one move I would definitely make, though, is uh, acquiring some depth at defense. 
Now, I'm not talking about looking into a, a top four defenseman. Like, I, I'm talking about maybe going back to what I just said, calling Buffalo about Nathan Beaulieu. You know what I mean? Calling the Blues about Jay Bomeister, bringing him back potentially. You know, um, if you can get, like, a higher end D, that'd be great. But I don't think they need a top 40. I think they just need someone to play in their top six. Because as of right now, their bottom pairing is Dalton Prout and Oliver Shillington. Shillington's been good. Prout's been fine. But is Dalton Prout an NHL defenseman? Like, is he, really? You got Stone on the IR. You got Hamannick on the IR. I think you're good enough to kind of get through. But similar to what the Jets did in 2015, where they knew their D was their strength and they couldn't really sacrifice that, and they went out and traded for like a bunch of six, seven defensemen, and I think that's sort of what the Flames should look into, is just making cheaper moves for guys that can at least insure them down the road. Because if Giordano gets hurt, they're in a lot of trouble. If Brody gets hurt, or Hannafin gets hurt, or Hamannick doesn't come back, uh, you know, quite as well as he should, I think they're in a, in a decent amount of trouble as well. So that's what I would do if I'm the Calgary Flames, and I, I would be really surprised if they don't add something for the deadline because I think um it's a it's a show of good faith to your players as well right like yeah it's no, a that, show that, of confidence in what they've in what they're doing so I I'd be quite surprised if they don't make a move yeah no I think they will uh should we go to the duck duck goose state uh, that's how the, alphabet the works. state of the duck duck goose yeah. we're heading down to Raleigh North Carolina Getting us some some Moonshine. you know hanging out with Bill Murray and all the guys. Yeah. What um, what are the what does this team do? Well, I think they have to go out there. They have to acquire a uh, a new um, and creative um, post win celebration. Um, you know, um, this is this has been the story of this team all season. Um, you know, they they kind of stuck with that whole board jump thing for way too. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Carolina's a tough one for me. Um, Got a guy on their fourth line right wing, Saku Mainalanen. No, never heard, never heard of him. Not a real person. Eh? Um, no, I don't know. I, w- I would, I would trade off Michael Furland. I would hope and pray that you can get some sort of um, absolute robbery of a, a package back for for him. But otherwise, like I don't know. Can. Like, you should. Uh, it's whether another team can can look at the situation and say, hey, no, you don't have really much going for you. So where, we're where whoever you. lands Michael Furland is probably going to win the trade deadline unless they give up a King's Ransom for him. True. Because Michael Furland is like the ultimate piece, man. That guy that guy can score with the best of them. He plays an absolutely scary, gritty game, almost unlike anyone in the league does right now. And he's proven he's a playoff warrior. Like He kind of single-handedly beat the fucking Vancouver Canucks a few years ago. So... He's, he could absolutely terrorize team. The one thing that I would think, and I was going to mention him when we were talking about Calgary, I'd be very, very concerned if the price is not as high as teams think it is. And you know what I mean? Like, I think it's up to every team to, to check in on him because the absolute catastrophic thing that could happen, and I'm just saying, is if Michael Furlan goes to the Vancouver Canucks. Because if you're the Calgary Flames, that could really fucking reverse some history there. So if I'm the Flames, I'm calling about Michael Furlan for sure. I know you just traded him, but yeah, yeah. What like what else? If you're the if you're the Hurricanes, like do you see them looking into? Do you see them? You, you look at them as a seller. You think it's just like again they're, in the Furlan situation. I, maybe, I find but. them almost in the same territory as Arizona is. Like I just I think this team is is really close, 
but for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together. Arizona's got the injury thing that they can use as an excuse, but Carolina, not so much. They don't have a lot of rentals. Like, I think it's Furland, and that might be it. I don't have their cat-friendly page memorized, yeah, but... They, they could move Justin Williams if they wanted, but he's got a no-trade clause, and he's their captain, so I don't yeah. see it happening. Aside from that, Saku Manalainen... No, Again, not, a real, not a real player. Yeah, uh, Greg McKegg. Yeah, there's not much. Yeah, their so, goaltenders are about it. Yeah, if they want to move one of them out, which actually might be a decent option, but could be. Um, I don't think anyone's lining up to get the Carolina Hurricanes goaltending duo, though. No. Unfortunately, that's been one of their biggest problems. No, so, well, I mean, if you're looking at a at a backup, Matt there's been so much talk about like their defense the and oh we got to get one of their one of the Carolina defensemen. We got to go get them, and yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think you hang on to them. I wouldn't. Be, and I've kind of been saying this recently, I wouldn't be shocked if they move a defenseman, and I wouldn't be overly shocked if that defenseman is going to the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's named Brett Pesci. Hmm. I still kind of think the Leafs have something kind of big up their sleeve here. It just I sort of get that feeling with the way everything's been going the past few weeks. That said, do the Leafs need to make a move like that? Well, we'll get there. Alphabet. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> alphabeting. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The flame. Or the Hurricanes are in a weird spot. The one thing I will say is, if they can acquire a legitimate goal goal scorer, they're going to do it, and we'll see if they can find one on the market. The uh, holy fuck, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I think the best thing that this franchise can do is find a way, um, be it a hostage situation, whatever has to happen. Find a way to convince Brent Seabrook to waive his no movement clause. Because apparently. And this may come as a surprise to some people. Holy fuck. Um, other NHL general managers seem to be interested in Brent Seabrook, which think, would be a gift to the Chicago Blackhawks. The best moves that the, that the Chicago Blackhawks can make in the history of their franchise would be to trade Brent Seabrook before the deadline, because it would be addition by subtraction, and I think the Chicago Blackhawks then make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, this blue line's bad, but it's like... None of these guys are good, and then Brent Seabrook is, like, negative good. Like, he hurts you on a, on a nightly basis. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Seabrook's done. Like, just done. And it's unbelievable. He, he might be the worst contract in the NHL. It's it's up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. If they can find a way to get him to move, then, then great. But it doesn't sound like he's interested. Sounds like he'd like to retire in Chicago at the tender age of 40 in 2024. But... I don't know. I, I don't think that there's going to be a move to be had there. Uh, you could parcel, parcel out Kruger. Kunitz is another guy you can move out as a rental. But ultimately, I think we're talking about a team that makes minimal moves and is probably going to miss the playoffs. Hmm. Fair enough. That's it. That's Chicago. Yeah. Chicago's not exciting. Colorado Avalanche, slightly more interesting. Jim Ward, what do you think? Okay, this Jimothy. is, is going to be my, my big prediction of the day. Not, not prediction. Okay, I shouldn't say that. Not my prediction. This is what I think that the Avalanche should do. <laughs> I don't well, Relax over there, buddy. I don't think it will happen. I think this is what they should do. I think the Colorado Avalanche should take that first-round pick that is theirs, not that one that isn't theirs, the one that is theirs. And I think they should call up their... Uh, their pals uh, in, in Columbus <laughs> and say, hey, here's a first-round pick. We want uh, Artemi Panarin. I think the Colorado Avalanche should bring in Artemi Panarin as a rental. Don't go after this guy long term. Bring him in for the for the little playoff run that they're about to have, because I look at that team as you a one line wrecking crew, 
And I think they need to, they need to find another line. Yeah, I think they need to find somebody else on the second line that can, you know, I, I don't think Carl Soderberg is the guy that you want to rely on for three rounds of playoff action. So mm-hmm. I'd bring in another offensive threat like Panarin. I think it'd be a perfect fit for both teams. But then just thank you for your services and have a nice life, and we'll see you later mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah, I mean, so the reality is that the Colorado Avalanche are probably going to make the playoffs. And the reality is that they have one really good line and the other three lines are kind of like a tire fire. So the problem is that they have to find a way to explain to their players that they're trying without giving up too much. Yeah. So for me, I think it's making a deal for a guy who is not a rental and I think you want to try to find something that you can use in years beyond this. And I think the absolutely perfect player for Colorado is Braden Shen. I think there's such a fit there, it's ridiculous. Style, it's there. Positional need, it's there. Term, cap hit is very friendly. The, the money owed to him is friendly. He's a productive centerman that can also play on the wing if you decide you want to put someone else as your second line center. Braden Shen can do it all. And so, this is a commercial for Braden Shen. I'm now his agent. Uh, see, and here's my only problem with the Braden Shen theory. Sure. Is that all of a sudden, you're going to be paying your third-line center quite a bit of money. Because Jack Hughes is about to join the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> next year. <laughs> By God, that's, if he doesn't That's why you put him on the, the wing. Yeah. Braden Shen, Braden Shen <laughs> plays wing with Jack Hughes. Okay. This team got really good in the last, like, two and a half minutes. <laughs> they got Panarin. They got Shen. This team's sick. Yeah. I, I think the Avalanche are, are close, and, and they'd be good. They'd be served well to make a move. they got to flip that first of theirs, I think. They're at, of theirs, yeah, yeah, and keep Ottawa's. Because, oh, yeah. Like, know. what are you, you going to do with the second first-round pick? Like, again, we talked last week about how there's that... that fall off between yeah. 19 and 25 uh, and then I mean there there that. is a like let's let's be honest here there is a slight possibility that that is the pick that wins the lottery and not Ottawa's like they could have first and second overall so there is a little bit of risk there but I would I'm going to assume they're going to make the playoffs and especially if they make a move to help their roster I don't think they're one of those teams where the guys they have are going to get complacent because they have so many guys that have to fight on a nightly basis to remain relevant in an organization where, like, there are guys in the minors that are not that much worse than the guys on the team. Because the team is not that great. I think up front they could use some help. Defense, I'd be shocked if they make any move at all. I think there's some merit to, to moving out some of these guys in the off season. I don't think now is the time you do it. I think their top six is fine. And it'll get them through. Their seventh defenseman is Mark Barbario, who's hurt right now. Like, he's solid. So, if I'm the Avalanche, that would be the move I make is some help up front. I think a bigger fish like Shen. I think the only way you move, like, Ottawa's first round pick is if the the Columbus Blue Jackets are calling you and they're saying, we'll give you Panarin and Bobrovsky and they both want to sign right now. (laughs) Okay, then maybe it's worth discussing. Yeah. But... Like, that pick's safe, obviously, because it's, at worst, going to be fourth overall. Mm-hmm. So, well, maybe fifth, I guess, if the Devils really fucking fall apart. But, yeah. okay. Uh, no timer going to be set for this next team, because this is, obviously, probably the most interesting team at trade deadline weekend. This is maybe second. Um, 
the Columbus Blue Jackets okay. have a really one of the more difficult decisions to make. No, they don't. I remember seeing in a long time. No. Well, no, they don't. If if you think certain ways, they are. <laughs> to me, it's pretty obvious what they should do. Whether or not they do it, uh, it's hard to say because it is a risk in a sense. Um, you have Artemi Panarin, who is, according to DailyFaceOff.com, which kind of has like an algorithm to combine a lot of advanced stats and real stats and rank players where they actually sit in the league. It's a really good website. Artemi Panarin is the sixth best left winger in the NHL. Uh, and Sergei Bobrovsky is the fourth best goaltender in the NHL. Wait, Panarin hasn't been offered an offer sheet yet? <laughs> He's the sixth best winger in the NHL, Bruce. No, you're, for, you're forgetting. He came in the NHL when he was 32, so he's, oh, right. uh, he's actually looking at a 35-plus contract now. No, but what do you do if you're if you're if you are Yarmo Kekalainen? I am. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Yarmo. Yeah. What what do you do? Hang on to them. Yeah. Keep them. I, you no, have I, I never agree. made it past the first round of the playoffs. I think Bobrovsky, there's a case to maybe be made trading him. I don't think you can make a case at all about trading Panarin. Uh, yeah. I, I, He's I, not Bobrovsky a replaceable winger. Maybe is yeah. Bobrovsky but, maybe. But because Bobrovsky's <sighs> gone for sure. Panarin, there's probably still a possibility that if you go deeper into the playoffs, maybe. Bobrovsky's leaving. Like, it's it's over. Yeah. So maybe if you can get something decent back for him, that actually helps you win now, too. Yeah. And for the future. Then, sure. There was a link this week that maybe um, he'd be getting traded to the Florida Panthers, signing an eight-year deal there. Other than weather, <laughs> why the hell yeah, would Florida be a better spot if you don't like Columbus? Because... Florida is Columbus, but in Florida. I'll, I'll tell you what the difference is. John Tortorella doesn't coach the That's Florida the Panthers. only other thing, right? Yeah. And that's it. But, like, is is Bob Bugner that much better? Like, what yeah. do you know about Bob Bugner that, like, you want to sign in Florida? That that report got kind of squashed this morning. Apparently there's not a lot of proof, and it's not likely. Um, but... You know who was hooked up in the past uh, for Columbus goaltending and, and trades involving Columbus netminders is you know the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe maybe they want to flip Carter Hart to the Columbus Blue Jackets for it's Sergei Bobrovsky because that would be the most Philadelphia move in the history of Philadelphia. But, oh man, would um, it ever? Yeah, no, I, I I would hang on to them both. And again, like this is a team that's never made it out of the first round of the playoffs as a franchise. You need something like yeah. You don't have to win the cup this year necessarily, but you need to give your fans a little bit of a they're, little bit of hope. Like if they you really sell don't off, have anything, if you sell off both those pieces, you may as well just like okay, see the draft. Uh, you know, like yeah. What are you doing? Like what are you? Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about a team that was leading their division. Um, they're not anymore. Columbus currently sits in the second wild card spot, but they are one point out of being third in their division. They are five points out of first. So, we're not talking about a bad team here. Like, Columbus has 30 games left, and they have a lot of opportunity to kind of get things going here. Um, I, ha- I have no... I, I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, to sort of cite a guy that it seems like we talk about every week on, on the podcast, but Sean McIndoe was talking about it on Puck Soup this week, and how, you know, he's a Leaf fan, and, and you know, his greatest memories as a Leaf fan were them making the conference finals a couple times in the 90s. And that's kind of, you know, his 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 great memories. And, and, you know, you and I can attest to the fact that still, uh, to this day, I would say the most fun I've ever had watching hockey was when I was a kid. 
And in the early 2000s, when the Leafs would go out and trade for fucking Brian Leach and Ron Francis and all these guys that were past their prime, but they were trying. They tried. Yeah. And they would lose in the second round or the third round. But, like, every year they had a legitimate run. It, it still, it didn't feel like you were winning the Stanley Cup, but it felt like you were close. You were knocking on the door. You were there. You were a part of it. Well, not only that. And Columbus has, hasn't been to the dance in 19 years. They haven't even been close. Yeah. Like, they haven't been a part of it yet. You look at around the same time frame, like I remember in, in Canada, Calgary and Edmonton, you know, back-to-back cup runs for two teams that probably weren't expecting to go on cup runs. No. Any, anything can happen once you get there. So yeah. to just, like, you look at look at Columbus last year. They were a goal away from going up 3-0 and Mm-hmm. on the eventual Stanley Cup winners. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that that team was not in a position that they couldn't have done what Washington yeah. did and well, brought it all the way to the finals. And look at the Capitals. The Capitals' easiest series they had in terms of games and how it looked was the fucking final. Yeah. But, like, they they not struggled, but, like, there was a lot of time leading up to them getting to the final where, like, it looked like, oh, they're going to choke again. Like, everyone was talking about it constantly. Mm-hmm. Even against Tampa. It's like, they're not going to beat Tampa. And then they beat Tampa. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. If I'm Columbus, I'm going to bring in a piece to help, and I'm not moving out Panarin or Bobrovsky, probably. Yeah. Whether or not that's what they're going to do, though, I'm not so sure. It's a tough sell, and I get that. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a GM and you're trying to keep your job, and you lose your two biggest marketable stars in the same offseason, and you get nothing back, that's tough to sell the ownership. And the only way you it can could sell be it tough is to if sell you have to a decent too. playoff run yeah. this spring. It could be tough to sell the fans, too. Like, as we're, we're sitting here saying, like, they need that deep run. They need to take a shot at it while they have the chance. Like, who's to say that more of Columbus doesn't feel or, do, like, doesn't agree with that? Maybe their fan base doesn't feel that way. Maybe their fan base does want to trade these guys and get something for it. Like, you know, it's possible that they're so, you know, ignorance is bliss and they don't know what's on the other side because they've never experienced yeah, this maybe. run, so maybe they, like, they yeah. don't think it's that great. But let me tell you, it's it's pretty fucking awesome, man. Like, you know, I'm a much happier person with the Leafs having made the playoffs the last two years than I was two years previous. Like, you know what I mean? It's great to watch your team in the dance. It's, it's, it's fun. I was at work yesterday, and my boss was commenting like, oh, you're in a chipper mood today? Well, yeah, the Leafs just won their last two games, and the fucking Patriots won the Super Bowl. Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, I go home after work, and I'm watching my fucking teams win. It's great. In April and May, if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, that's something you should want, is to go watch these games, have something to, to be a part of during, you know, your evening, and, and, you know. Not a whole lot else going on in Columbus, so. No, apparently not, according to their fucking players, but... Okay, um, so we'll move on from Columbus. The Dallas Stars, I think, are a little more cut and dry. What, what do you do if you're Dallas? Uh, you have to convince the league somehow to expand the size of the nets so that Tower Sagan stops hitting posts and crossbars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that will lead to some obvious do wins. Think, do you think there's enough time to do that before the playoffs? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, um, I doubt it, but Jim Lights, you know. All uh, right, joining us on the line, uh, engineer <laughs> Reginald Defio. Reg, what do you think? Well, guys, I don't know if they could really distribute that many nets. It's just not practical. <laughs> Former guest on the podcast. Uh, uh, thanks, Reg. Um, uh, no, no but if, you're, uh, if you're Dallas, like you're third in your division right now, you're three points out of a wild card, or three points from falling into a wild card spot. A pretty decent chance you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I like them. I like because you got the, St. Louis knocking on the door. Colorado's knocking on the, the door, whole but fucking conference knocking on the door. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's pretty sort tight of. race, but. 
Um, I'd show up the bottom, the bottom six. The bottom six of that team like really falls flat after mm-hmm. you know they're really top heavy offensive group. Um, go out there and get somebody that can maybe score in the playoffs. Um, this would be another situation where you know I think this a lot depends with Dallas on what maybe teams like Boston do. Um, you know, if, if somebody gets Simmons, I think someone else goes after Kreider, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if, if I if I had to say that Simmons is going to Boston, in this case, I would say if I'm Dallas, I'd call about Chris Kreider. I'd, I'd look at Chris Kreider as a, maybe not a bottom six guy, but someone that can play in your middle six and help sharp some offensive uh, woes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Hayes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Go Rangers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings. No, I, I, I actually, I, I think, I think the Stars are going to be one of the main teams in on, uh, on Kevin Hayes. Um, one thing we'll address when we get to Florida, I'm pretty convinced Broussard is about to get flipped. I don't think Broussard is going to be in Florida very long. It's going to be like an Ole Jokinen with the Leafs type thing. He's going to play six, seven games max and he's going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, I think. Derek Broussard would be a very good fit in Dallas as well. So I, I, Hayes and Broussard are the two okay. guys I'm looking at if okay. I'm the if I'm the Dallas Stars. Detroit Red Wings. Uh, trade Jimmy Howard. Do yeah. not wait. Do not pass go. Trade him now. His stock will never again collect, be co- this please high. Please collect your second yeah. round pick. <laughs> His stock is never going to be this high again. Like it wasn't this high last year. It wasn't this high the year before. No. Trade him. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Ken Holland. This is not your goalie of the future. The guy's what 34 years old. Yeah. Cut the cord. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I think if you're Ken Holland, you, you kind of owe it to Jimmy Howard, too, because Jimmy Howard's given a lot of good years for the Red Wings. And don't get me wrong, like, they were not bad the whole time he was there. But he spent a lot of his early 30s on bad Red Wings teams, teams that hang him out to dry a lot of the nights. Um, the Red Wings are one of those bad, like, the Red Wings are better than most of the Western teams that are in the fucking playoff race. Like, the Red Wings are not bad. But they're not going to do any damage this year in the Eastern Conference. Like they are done. Yeah. So yeah, you move out. You move out Jimmy Howard. Uh, Gus Nyquist has a few, or sorry, has a modified uh, no trade. I would move Gus Nyquist if you can convince him to go. It's not a trade deadline unless Thomas Vanek gets traded. Oh, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I think Vanek. He also has a no trade, but. He's no stranger to being traded. I don't imagine Thomas Vanek is like, well, I'd like to just play a year somewhere. Like, I'm sure he's fine packing up the fucking suitcase again and hopping on a yeah, couple planes. Yeah. Um, the big one for me is is a modified no trade with, with Nick Cronwall. And Cronwall could be a very good fit for a lot of teams, but one reason why I didn't mention him for Calgary or, or you know, these other teams that could use help at D, I'm not so sure he's going to go. We've seen it a lot of times with these Swedish players get, you know, asked to move their no trade in the later years of their career, and they're good where they are. Uh, Swedish players are very loyal. He's played his entire career there. He's won Stanley Cups there. I wouldn't fault Nick Cronwall if he says, I want to just retire here. That said, if Nick Cronwall wants to win a cup, I think teams would be kind of dumb not to call on him because he is not what he used to be, but he's still helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The big piece for me that I think a name that maybe people listening to this podcast are not that familiar with that I think will be a hot commodity is Nicholas Jensen. Nick Jensen is an absolute analytics darling. He's an eye test darling. He's very fast. He's very smart. Nick Jensen's very underrated and he's a right shot D, which apparently every team in the league needs. Um, I think the Red Wings have a very, very 
open window here to sell off some pieces for a good return, and I think they will take that opportunity. Good chance to get the rebuild going. Yep. So I don't yep. think Ken Holland's an idiot, although the last few roster. years of his moves, uh, you know, it's would... Not- would Indicate he's an idiot. Not necessarily his roster moving forward either. So I don't, I don't know if, how yeah. much he wants to yeah, set up the future here. Yeah, he's got to move some pieces out so that way the Red Wings can get some prospects in. So that way they have a problem with the protection list when he's the GM of Seattle and he gets to pick yeah. one of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no timer for this one, Edmonton. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if they have the cap room for this, but if it's not illegal, I would clone Connor McDavid. Okay. Um, that unfortunately, that's going to be like twenty-five million dollars against the hit. So I, again, I don't know if that's going to work financially. Uh, beyond that, uh, beyond uh, cloning Connor McDavid, um, just just trim the fat. And I'm not talking about Ken Hitchcock. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not directing that. Well, that wasn't a fat joke. No, that's just cut away anything that isn't tied down. Just get rid of it. Just toss it off. Throw it in a Saskatchewan next door. Just thanks for playing. And, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how you fix this. <laughs> so, the Oilers have two forwards that are eligible for unrestricted free agency next year. One of them is Brad Malone, who I didn't know still played in North America. The other one is Alex Chason, who just said last night he would like to sign an extension. You have, like, there's a guy who wants to stay in Edmonton, and he's the only guy you can trade for things other would, than McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I would trade that guy. If he wants to stay in Edmonton, he's fucked. Get him out he's of, nuts. He's Get fucking that, trade that guy. Well, because that's the only team he'd remain in the NHL. Like, if they want to pay him $4 million a year, that's fine. No other uh, team no other team wants him at six fifty. Yeah. He made it into the regular season without a contract this year. The Oilers signed him. He found a way to score goals. No one wants him. Of course, he's like 38% for his career. He's terrible. God bless you, Oilers fans. If yeah. any, anyone left. Um, Cam Talbot will get traded. Yeah. I don't know who takes him on, but... No. Sorry for them, I guess. Well, the thing with Cam Talbot is Cam Talbot's not going to be as expensive as a goaltender as like Bobrovsky or even like Jimmy Howard like I think the price on Talbot's pretty cheap at this point because the Oilers don't have a leg to stand on it's cheap they're gonna lose him at the end of the year for nothing or they're gonna keep him and what make the playoffs with him on the bench because he made it pretty clear last night for those of you who didn't see he got pulled and did not return to the bench after maybe 15 minutes left in the third like he's not coming back He's probably not going to play much this year. No. So what the hell do you stand to gain? Like, he's got a no-trade clause. I think he'll move it. He'll wave it, for sure. Like This is when we find out he's like his wife's expecting twins and they can't leave because they got all their doctor just stuff. Just bought a house. And... No, like, Cam Talbot is more than willing to move, and I think he's a smart get for teams that are not so sure about their goaltending. Like, even a team like, well, I was going to say Dallas, but they have Hudobin. Even a team like... Uh, uh, like fuck, like fuck. If the if the Blue Jackets do move Bobrovsky, Talbot's a good number one B. Like you know what I mean. He can kind of share the net with Corpusallo if Corpusallo falters. You know what I mean. Like there are teams out there they can move him to. I think Cam Talbot's the guy that moves. I don't imagine they do a ton else. I think they'll move Cassian as well. Um, but he's not a rental, so it'll be a little more difficult on the logistics there. Like the Leafs have been linked to Cassian. 
I'm not sure there's a fit for the Leafs. I think the Leafs would have to move Cassian in the offseason. But I would certainly like to see him there now. Uh, okay. I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Florida Panthers. Florida. Uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier. My only note on Florida is just to flip Broussard. There's no need to hang on to this guy. Um, I was really surprised when they made the deal um, with Pittsburgh. And when I saw Derek Broussard went back to the way, I had I had to double-check the standings to make sure that Florida wasn't actually like knocking on the door of a playoff spot here and thinking that, oh, yeah, Broussard's going to help us in the playoffs because you're not making the playoffs, Florida. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd flip them to, you know, like like you said, you, you mentioned a few teams there. Dallas um, wouldn't be a bad fit there for uh, for Derek. Um <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out if you were dead coughing. James uh, just about had a had a stroke there. Um, are you done? Yeah, you're done. Okay. Um, they do have some options to flip as a rental. Uh, Broussard being one of them. Riley Shan being another that they just acquired. Brower is a guy who could help a team's fourth line. Um, they have a couple of restricted free agents in Ian McCosh and Mackenzie Weger. I could see them being moved. There was some talk that perhaps. Bobrovsky would be going there, and Broussard would go the other way. I don't see a fit for Bobrovsky signing long-term in Florida. If Florida wants to trade for Bobrovsky as a rental, that's their fucking business. But I don't see there being a fit there. Um, The one guy I do think that they will find a home for, and I wouldn't be surprised if that home actually is Columbus, though, uh, would be James Reimer. I think that might be a guy that at this point... um, you could make the argument on a better team, he might be better off because he's never been on a good team. So maybe if he's like the yeah, only he went to the finals, I was gonna year. say he was on the San Jose Sharks and played a handful of games there, and he did pretty well. But um, aside from that, he's dragged a couple teams to the playoffs single fucking handedly, and uh, yeah, I don't know, he might get moved. But I could, I would put a ninety nine point nine percent chance that Broussard gets dealt before the deadline. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about his fits along the way. We've already talked about a couple. So, uh, the Los Angeles Kings, sir. Uh, well, I mean, like the Muzzin trade, there kind of signaled things. I think that they're aware of their own uh, mortality. Um, it's time to maybe get this thing going sooner than later because if it's later, you might not have a whole lot to work with. Carl Hagelin, I think, is a foregone conclusion. He's out the door. I could see him landing. Somewhere out east, um, you know, another another possibility maybe in Boston. Like I like I said, if they can't get you know some of the big mm-hmm. fish that they're after, he could go there. Uh, Washington, even I think uh, Washington might be looking at Carl Hagelin as a as a yeah, fit. Yeah, that's a good fit. Um, beyond that, I mean, Los Angeles. I, I I think it's a a fair possibility that anything and everything could happen in LA. Um, I mm-hmm. I don't I don't put anything past Rob Blake. Uh, you want to trade Jeff Carter? Sure. You want to trade John Quick? Go for it. I think maybe maybe Doughty is the only guy you hang on to. Um, mm-hmm. Kopitar I, again, like I, I I could see them flipping Kopitar if, if the price is right. Off season trade for sure because the salary would be almost impossible to work out now for Kopitar. But is it? Yeah, I don't know. Kopitar's got uh, five years left at ten million. So, ah, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's yeah, not going to happen right enough. now. But. Um, yeah, pretty much ditto on what you've said. Uh, it, it, pretty much anyone and in, in, that they can move out, I think they will at this point. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Jonathan Quick traded, but I don't think it's going to happen. 
basically, yeah, ditto on what you said. I think Jeff Carter, there's some teams where there's a fit, and it's just a matter of whether or not those teams want to pull the trigger. I think the perfect fit for Jeff Carter is Nashville. Whether or not he ends up there, we'll have to see, but I think that would be a really smart move for them. Uh, the one guy also I could see kind of deep in the roster is Oscar Fantenberg will probably get traded because he's a decent depth defenseman uh, who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Good fit for Winnipeg. Um, good fit for Dallas. Good fit for Calgary. So sure. we'll see yeah. what happens yeah. there. Um, the Minnesota Wild, bit more of a complicated one. Yeah, uh, they're they're not as bad as the Kings, but uh, they're not too far away, maybe from being in that territory. If you're the Wild, what do you do? Oh boy. Uh, well, you know what? They're holding down the first wild card spot, which in the West is actually a luxury at this point. Um, puts a little bit of a gap between you and the other eight teams chasing you, I think mm-hmm. it is right now. So kudos to them. Uh, but if I'm Minnesota, there's there's two Minnesota. things there's there's two things that I think that they should be looking at doing. One is um, hiring any available doctor or training staff to help get Matt Dumba back in the lineup quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should be back pretty soon. I think March was the uh, the estimates. If if they can hold on to that wild card spot till he comes back, I think that they returned a, you know, a dangerous threat in the West. Um, yeah, I had them as a sleeper pick. The thing with the Dumba, just to kind of go off your point though, is I wouldn't be shocked if he possibly doesn't play till there's like five games left in the regular season, because I don't think you want to rush him back if you're going to make the playoffs. No, you yeah. want him ready for yeah. the playoffs. The time frame would put him being healthy enough to come back at the end of March. So I think you want to remain with that time frame if you can. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But if they get him back, like that's 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 a guy you're adding at this point, right? So you could uh you could call him a, a deadline acquisition in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh beyond that, if if you can stick around, um this is an older core, a lot of vets, this like how many more runs do they have in them kind of thing. I think that they should be looking at a big rental. That being said, I think it's Minnesota. I think they're gonna fall short in the big rental uh market, I think. Uh, a lot of the big names, like you know, if Stone's available and Simmons and and uh, Panarin, I think you know the big names that we mentioned already. I think they're all off the board by the time Minnesota gets around to figuring out what they want to do. And I think Minnesota ends up settling for a guy like Chris Kunitz, another veteran, bring him in, kind of help out the the bottom six, and call it a day day's work. Mm-hmm. Another team, I think the biggest type name that they would bring in is, again, like an Oscar Fantenberg. But I, I don't. I think this is one of the few teams. Um, they will probably not make a deal bigger than, like, a fourth-line forward or a third-line pairing defenseman. I, I don't see them doing much. Yeah. Okay, Montreal Canadien. What do you do if you're this team who had no expectations coming into the season? You're in a spot to compete, but you also don't have that rich of a prospect pool so if you're moving anyone out, you are mortgaging the future at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that's one point out from home ice in the playoffs in the mm-hmm. first round, which is insane. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Uh, if I'm the Canadiens, I'm thinking maybe package like a, a third and maybe like a sixth-round pick for like a knee brace for Carey Price. Um, you know, hope that that guy stays healthy. Uh, I think uh, you're going to need him in the playoffs. Um, and apparently, and this is a this is a fun little quirk, Apparently, Montreal is the only team in the league that is in the market for a left-handed defenseman, because all of their defensemen um, are right-handed somehow. Uh, they are the anomaly of the league. 
they don't just speak French. They also uh, hoard right-handed defensemen. So um, if you're a lefty and you're looking for some work in the NHL, I would pick up uh, a Oxford English to French dictionary and uh, maybe make your way over to the uh, Belle Provence. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't <laughs> think the Montreal Canadiens do anything. In fact, if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I would do nothing. And I almost never make that argument about a deadline team. I don't think they are bad enough that they should be concerned about any particular era area right now. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're bad, but they're <laughs> they're playing well. I wouldn't touch that at all. Yeah, best case scenario, a depth left-handed defenseman, maybe. But yeah. that's about it. Sure, I, I I would do nothing if I'm them. Who's their backup? Niemi. Yeah, I'd maybe look into a backup goaltender, but other than that, I wouldn't do much if I'm the Montreal Canadiens. Ride what you got, it's working right now. Yeah. And again, I, I think the knee brace is probably cheaper than a backup goalie. So Yeah, yeah. that's possible. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, the Nashville Predators, who I did not mention made a trade this morning for yeah. Brian Boyle. Uh, that makes absolutely no sense to me, but, you know, we'll do what you got to do. Yeah, um, my, my notes... Uh, uh, at this point, is uh, a second round pick. Uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently acquired uh, Brian Boyle. Uh, that's what they should do at the deadline. Yeah. Um, this is not a flawed hockey team, but it is one that you know, like no team is perfect. No one can stop improving. I don't know how much they want to change. Um, they've added Boyle. I don't know if they're done, but I, don't, I, I look at their roster and I, I see a very complete team I, I don't know like if you want to add a seventh defenseman for the playoffs sure if you want mm-hmm. to add a 13th forward yeah maybe i don't see a lot of holes in this roster um they'll be in on panarin for sure can they afford him yeah 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 okay dante fabro if you want to get really really interesting no i mean i mean like cap wise oh yeah they have tons of room really yep Holy yeah they, they have plenty of room um it's always a team i think and, break and against the cap every year they may have uh, it's not going to be super, super open in the off season, but right now they're they're okay. Hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty much any team can afford Panarin right now. There's not a lot of teams that are right up against it because you got to think the cap hits shrink at the deadline too, right? Plus you have the option of having uh, uh, Columbus retain salary. But as I said earlier, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're going to trade Panarin, but I think the Predators will be in on him. The Predators will be calling about Jeff Carter. They'll be calling about. Matt Duchesne, they'll be calling about Mark Stone. But at the end of the day, do they make any of these moves? I, I'm not really sure. How do they view Dante Fabro? How do they view their first-round pick? Uh, I, I guess we're going to have to see. But ultimately, this is a team, like, look, we all know how good the Nashville Predators are. Do they need a ton of help right now? I'm not really sure. Dailyfaceoff.com has ranked their fourth line as the fourth best in the National Hockey League now, with uh, Brian Boyle on it. So... Uh, they're probably not wrong. It's Hartman and Grimaldi are the, <laughs> the wingers, so it's pretty yeah. good. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you're bringing somebody in that you're taking a spot away from somebody else, like, like who do you take out of that roster, right? Like, I, I just don't see a lot of a lot of need to spend big. Yeah, so. right pairing defenseman might be the only sure. thing. Sure. Yeah. Take over for Yannick Weber. We'll see. Mm. But uh, yeah, okay. What, what's next? New Jersey, I New, guess. New Jersey. Up, but yeah, okay. New Alphabet. Jersey Devils. Alphabetting. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I got a couple question marks with New Jersey. Um, obviously, they made the playoffs last year. It was a bit of a surprise. Taylor Hall has been hurt for a big chunk of the season, so it's hard to get too concerned. You know, Nico Heischer is only going to get better. 
Apparently Mackenzie Blackwood might be the, the goalie that they, they need. So I don't know if they want to panic. That being said, they got a couple uh, UFAs. Uh, one is Marcus Johansson. I don't know if this guy is in the long-term plans. He's already 28. He's coming off his second contract at 4.5. He's going to be expensive, I feel, uh, this, this offseason. And I don't know if, if the Devils are going to be the, the team that wants us to pay him. Because he's been okay in New Jersey. Like I think they got an absolute steal of a deal when they acquired him from Washington a couple of seasons ago. But, again, I don't, I don't know if he's the long-term second-line centerman that, that you want to you know build your team around. Um, so I think, you know, they look at him, he's got a modified no trade. So, uh, I think there's like five teams that he won't go to. So it'll be Edmonton and, you know, a couple other, uh, choices. Um, beyond that, Keith Kincaid becomes an interesting uh, yeah. option here because I think Keith Kincaid is a really good goaltender. That's what I was going to say. Um, well, I wasn't going to say that, but I was well, going to say he's a goaltender for I, sure. I think he's a really good goaltender, but... The problem with uh, the Devils is that they've got Corey Schneider locked up long-term at a high cap hit. So you're not moving him out of town. It's going to be hard to sell the owner on keeping a guy like that that you're paying so much in the minors. And with Blackwood playing the way he is, I think he challenges for a, a you know, starting job next season. So I think Keith Kincaid is kind of expendable at this point. And maybe the Devils don't want to trade him. But... I think they should consider it, and Trade there's him. a lot of teams out there that could use a backup goalie moving in the playoffs. Trade them. Yeah, I would. Any, any team that needs a backup, solid backup. Shoney's one of those guys that can win down the stretch, kind of like a Andrew Hammond type, where it's just like it doesn't really make sense, but he keeps stopping the puck. He kind of flops around in the net. He reminds me a lot of, like, Curtis McElhinney. But, uh, yeah, he, he could help a team that needs depth at goaltending and... I think that is one guy they move out. They'll move Stafford out for a pick, probably. Oh, right. Drew Stafford. Um, yeah. And Trade deadline, darling. The big fish is going to be Marcus Johansson, so we'll see what they do there. Uh, I would be surprised if they don't end up moving Johansson, because they really don't have a huge reason to keep him around right now. New York Islanders, which might seem difficult, but I don't think it is all that difficult. You are decent in terms of your prospect pool, your futures. Uh, you're first in the division right now with a team that is not all that exceptional. Um, there's, I would think, a decent chance you'll be able to extend some of these guys that are free agents at the end of the year. So, for me, I think if I'm the Islanders, look into some help where you need it. Where do they need it? Well, this isn't a very good team. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, they're good, but they're not good. You could use help anywhere. Penalty Everywhere? killing, power play, okay, okay. forward, D. Goaltending's good. You can leave your goaltending alone, but you could use some help. Like, uh, the blue line, I would shore up a little bit just because Thomas Hickey's probably going to be out for a little bit still, so you're kind of thin there because it's kind of Nick Letty and a bunch of other guys right now. They could use help just about anywhere. A scoring forward would be nice. You know, Ross Johnston has not been putting the puck in the net, um, but he's got three more years left on that deal, so maybe he'll find a way. Yeah, you got to build around him, you know? Yeah, so. that's what they did. No, if, if I'm the Islanders, just looking to someone at a decent price, don't overpay, but you could use some help. This is about the time of the year where I think that it's time for them to, uh, they got to fire Barry Trotz. Lou Lamarillo's got to come downstairs, take over behind the bench. Era, uh, this is not a playoff team right and, now. We well, need Lou Lamarella. Yeah. Look, this this, this team. I don't think they were expecting playoffs. They're they're there now. 
this is the time where you need some veteran help. So I think they have to go out. They got to bring them some veteran guys. You know, this this isn't uh, this isn't a team that knows how to win yeah. the playoffs. Jay Pandolfo, yeah, Sergey Breland, Sergey Nemchinov, yeah. Um, in, 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 John all serious, Madden, in all seriousness, Colin though, White. This this feels like Tom Savannah territory, doesn't it? The Islanders. Fuck again. This, we gonna do that again? <laughs> this feels like Vanek, right? <laughs> we gonna do that again? I don't uh, think so. No. I mean, like the list is growing of cities that Thomas Vanek is not allowed to go back to. So, like, eventually he's got to get traded somewhere. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, this feels like Vanek to me again. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if they're gonna revisit that, but yeah. I guess we'll see. The New York Rangers pretty cut and dry. This is a team in the middle of a rebuild. Um, they're having a pretty decent season. You got to give it to them. They've they've put up a pretty decent fight uh, for the most part, but. They're far enough out of the playoff race now, and it doesn't look like they're going to gain any steam. They're nine points out right now. They have a red-hot Philadelphia Flyers in front of them. The Carolina Hurricanes also look like they could, you know, make a case to make the playoffs. So you're pretty much out of it, um, which you weren't intending to be in it. So good for you for being in it until semi-recently. The Rangers will sell off some pieces. I wouldn't be, like, I think everyone is in discussion on this team. I don't really think they have many untouchables. Mika Zibanejad, for sure, they will not trade. I think another guy I'd, I'd be pretty surprised to see moved is Philip Heedle. Uh, aside from that, like, Brady Shea is pretty close to untouchable. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist's untouchable because he wants to be. Kevin Shattenkirk's untouchable because no one's going to want him. Ditto for Mark Stahl. But, <laughs> like, I, I don't think there's much of a fit for them bringing in anyone. They're going to be moving guys out for draft picks. That said, I, I think almost anyone could get moved out. It's just a matter of who. I'd be very surprised if they keep Kevin Hayes. Uh, I'd be decently surprised if they keep Neil Pionk. But other than that, yeah, they're they're not a tough team, but they're they're tough in in the sense that we don't really know maybe who they value moving yeah. forward here. Yeah, you know I, no, I mean? it's tough. Kevin Hayes is only 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, they might look at him and say, you know, like, let's let's take another run at this. Like, they're, they're doing better this year than I think they expected. Uh, the rebuild is on. They've made that very clear. And now it's just a matter of, of, of who is and who isn't committed to the to the franchise. I think Zuccarello is at the door. Uh, there's been, I think, a lot of discussion about Chris Kreider moving him out. The problem there is he's not a rental, so there'd have to be a mm-hmm. team that's willing to take on him for more than one season. His cap hit's fine. Like I look at that, four point six. He's a little overpaid to me, but it's, so? it's fine. Yeah. He's having a good season, so maybe maybe it's coming to a head. Yeah, on an average, he's he's kind of overpaid. But you're right, this year he's having a good year. Yeah. Um. Again, like I, I'm sure they're going to go back and have the same conversation they had last year with with uh, Lundqvist and say, hey, like, yeah, uh, here we are a year later. We're in the same spot. Do you want to go try to chase a cup? Mm-hmm. Big cap hit, unfortunately. Again, not a rental, so you really have to make the numbers work somewhere. Uh, if a team felt they needed a, a starting goalie, because this is this isn't a guy that you're going to put in the bench. <laughs> you're not going to go out and trade for Henrik Lundqvist to play backup for mm-hmm. you know uh, Devin Dubnik or you know whoever else that's fighting in the West for a playoff spot. So he'll retire a Ranger, I think. You think so? Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I, I think at some point that maybe that competitive nature in Hank wakes up and says, "It's hard to say." He is cup, one of those guys but, where, like, I just. I wouldn't be shocked to see him stay there, and and it's one of the few guys where I think you can make the argument that it's you kind of have to respect him for the decision. Hundred percent. Because like, yep. I think he is one of those few guys where you can kind of sit down and be like, he didn't win a cup, but he he brought teams further than they should have gone 
in spite of them being bad, like, they would be good because Hank was good enough to make the rest of that team look good. Henrik Lundqvist is maybe one of the better uh, playoff goaltenders of all time and probably will go down as the best to never win a Stanley Cup. Pretty close, anyway. You'd have to think so, yeah. So, I think the only thing that... He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Like, it's not even a question to me. So, yeah. only... if you want to sit down and retire a Ranger, I think good for you. For me, I, I think a big question comes into where does... Like, at what point do you almost get the Andrei Vasilevsky treatment where Georgiev's coming up? If he keeps progressing, he's young, he's 22. Next year, does he take away the starting job? And all of a sudden, does Hank find himself on the bench? And does Hank really want to be the guy on the bench? Definitely see your situation. I see Hank as a guy who could play till he's 45 if he probably wanted to. I just think he's going to retire at the end of his contract because he's going to. But I think that guy has a ton of time left. Like I, I don't really think he's declining that much. Oh, I, I don't think it's declining. Like, like again, Ben Bishop wasn't necessarily declining in Tampa Bay. No, but I, I don't think Georgiev's that great either, though. Okay, like That's I, fair. I think Lundqvist is going to. It's going to sound hilarious to say because Lundqvist is like 20 years older than him, but like, I think Lundqvist is just always going to be better than George F. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't sure. Think, I don't think he's going to get that bad during his career, but we'll see. Yeah, it's an interesting decision. I don't think they trade him, though. Uh, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> uh, they're going to obviously be buying. They're going to try to get every player they can. No, this is a team they're they're going to try to get what they can for assets that they're more than likely going to lose at the end of the year. Um they will trade one of Stone or Duchesne. Whether or not they trade both, I'm not sure. I would be more shocked than anything I think I've seen in the last 10 or 15 years in the NHL if they both sign a contract extension and stay. I'd be shocked. There is no reason to stay other than the fact that A, you don't want to pack your shit and leave, and B, you feel like you owe it to the fans of Ottawa, which they do not. If it's me, if I'm Mark Stone, I want out. I think I have a legitimate chance to be the big fish at the deadline and to win a Stanley Cup, probably with whatever team gets me, because for Mark Stone, this will be the best team that he has ever been on, regardless of which team he gets traded to. And for Matt Duchesne, a little more tricky. You wanted to be closer to home, I guess, in a sense. Maybe you're part of the solution there. I don't know. I don't see Duchesne as part of the solution. I think Duchesne's someone that should go. Help out a team as a rental. Just go somewhere in the offseason. And pick my team. Because he seems so fucking picky at this point that maybe he should pick his own team. So I think those two will get traded. Dezingle for sure. Dezingle 100% is getting dealt. Uh, to me, anyway. Pi is a good depth piece. They're going to try to move Cody CC. I don't think Cody CC is as valuable as like 99% of hockey fans that don't look at his at advanced stats think he is. Because everyone I talk to is like, oh man, did you hear they're trying to trade Cody Cece? Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> he's, Cody Cece is awful. For sure they're trying to trade him. Like, why wouldn't they? So, we'll see. Craig Anderson might be a tough sell. But, yeah. What do you think? I think that the Ottawa Senators are finding themselves uh, in a very similar position uh, as the 1991 Trump Maple Leafs. <laughs> because about... Remember this, the 91 <laughs> Leafs, guys? <laughs> About this point in the season, the Leafs realized that uh, we have... Uh, we're on pace to get the first overall pick, which is going to be Eric Lindros, which is going to be fantastic. Oh, but we traded away our first round pick. 
And what did the Leafs do? Well, they made some trades that made them better so that they climbed out of the basement and got them away from giving up the first overall pick. I don't know if Ottawa necessarily goes out and acquires guys mm, to do that. But... I mean, the funny thing is is that Ottawa can't handle another PR nightmare. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> they also can't handle an even worse PR nightmare by, like, trading for other guys to make them better and then they're still just as bad. Because that is a very real possibility. I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I don't... Well, continue your thought. I don't think I don't they, think that's gonna happen. I, I I think that they lose one of Duchesne or Stone, but I don't think they should be selling off as much as they're rumored to be selling off. Because if you lose three or four pieces and you're already in last place, you may as well just give the car avalanche like call up Jack Hughes, tell him to move to Denver. Uh, you're good to go. Let, let's well, just skip a, ahead to July. Yeah. Like, what do you do if you're the All Boston? How how do you just sit back and let yourself finish last? knowing that you don't have what think, everyone wants when you're in last. But the problem is is that they're so bad. Even if they trade for... Like, who's going to make them better? Like, who's someone they would trade for? Say, Like, say your scenario does come up. And you do trade for someone to make you better right now. Because, I mean, like, I feel like if they trade for... You know, say they trade Stone to Winnipeg. Like, Jack Roslovic might be going back the other way. And if he's not... Does anyone else that they're going to trade make them better? Like, they're if, not trading Kyle Connor or Patrick Line. If I'm them. Ottawa and I'm making a trade with Winnipeg, I want Brassois back. I want a guy that might win me some games on the stretch. I think this team is so bad that Brassois doesn't make them better. I don't know like, if... Like, like I better know, the but players steal that, some games? The players that are going to make them better is if they can either get two players for Mark Stone that are marginally worse than Mark Stone, which they won't get, or if they can get players that are better than Mark Stone, which they won't get. This team is so bad with one of the best wingers in the league and one of the better centermen in the league. I I literally think, like, I get your point. They can't handle a PR nightmare. they got to find a way to reverse this. I think Ottawa is at the point. This is 100% irreversible. Like, this is inevitably going to be one of the bigger disasters we've seen in the last 20 years. It's irreversible. It, it's done. And it's just a matter of these events happening now because we just haven't gotten. Balls, maybe? We literally yeah. just haven't gotten to that point on the calendar yet yeah. where it looks bad. But it's going to get there. It's irreversible to me. So they have to trade these guys. I think they just try to just plan for the future and put your head down. You're going to need to walk through this blizzard because it's the only way home right now. Yeah, you yeah. I, I, mean? I, I don't know. I, I like I like the idea of bringing in a guy that can stop the puck. Like they've scored more goals. Oh, than, sure. I don't disagree with you. They, there. They've scored more goals than all the teams ahead of them. Sure. Until they get to the playoff teams. Because right? they are catastrophically bad possession-wise. Sure. They just play this open game to try to, you know what I mean? But they don't even, they're not even supposed to play that way because Guy Boucher wants them to play the opposite of that way. Yeah. Ugh. But it's, it's a disaster. So, anyway. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, which could be another interesting one. You are a, uh, a team sort of in the playoff race now. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do much. I think Yori Laterra is untradeable. That's one of their rental options. Wayne Simmons has a modified no-trade clause. He submits a list of team of 12 teams he doesn't want to be traded to. So if they want to trade him, they can very easily, I would think. Uh, Michael Roffel might be another legitimate option as a rental. I don't know. Aside from that, I don't really think they do almost anything. I think you give uh, Carter Hart the keys to the city. Um, you put Gritty on the fourth line. And you uh, sell Simmons for as much as you can get. So, that's what I would do. 
Flyers fans are going to be disappointed. We spent 55 seconds on them. The Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you do? Actually, this might be just as quick. Yeah. I don't think there's much to say Pit- here either. Pittsburgh, if I, you might go out and what, try to... What you do do and what Jimmy Rutherford does yeah, are two very different are. things. This well, is another and I, team. And I got one of each. I would not do anything that he's almost done since he's been there other than trade for Phil Kessel. But that's me. I, I think I think that they should maybe consider a backup goalie option. Murray's had some injury problems in the past. You'd hate to see him go down at the wrong time. Um, so they could be in oh, on yeah. they could be in on Jimmy Howard. They could be in on Cam Talbot. They could be in on really any of the goaltenders we've mentioned outside of maybe Bobrovsky. Uh, James Reimer comes to mind again. Um, but I, I I think if I had to make a prediction, I think this is where Michael Furlan uh, ends up. It's in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they can afford him. I think the one move that I would make if I am the Pittsburgh Penguins, leave the forwards alone, trade for a defenseman. Yuso Rikala is on your second pairing, which he's been actually not too bad there, but you could use some insurance. So uh, if I'm the Penguins, like the thing with the Penguins is you don't need an experienced body because you have more experience than just about anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this is a very good spot for Nick Jensen. And whether or not, you know, Jimmy Rutherford can see through his Werther's originals and see that Nick Jensen is a good player in modern NHL, or if he's going to judge him by, you know, the eye test purely, uh, that's up to him. But I think Nick Jensen, perfect landing spot, um, is Pittsburgh. We'll see. You good? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Okay, the San Jose Sharks, which are uh, an interesting, interesting little franchise. Yeah. Uh, They are coming on hot. Yeah, since the end of November. What do you do if you are the San Jose Sharks? Well, I I think time will tell with San Jose. I think we're still a little early on figuring out where they're at. Obviously, if they can catch Calgary, um, then there's a little bit more of a safety net to play with there being uh, tops in the division. They're kind of spreading themselves out they've they've gained some ground on vegas they're kind of in no man's land right now because they're they're four or five points behind calgary but they're four or five points up on vegas i would say they're more or less locked into that second spot at this point mm-hmm. if i'm san jose i wouldn't change a whole lot um i'm looking at maybe gus nyquist as a an option uh, up front um but i think i think san jose's their their, their big test is going to come in the off season you get a lot of guys that you got to look at either moving on from or keeping uh, Pavelski, Thornton, you know, are those guys, you know, in their last hurrahs here in San Jose. So it might be a, a, a now or never situation with the Sharks. So they, like, they're already without their first and second round picks. There's not a lot they have to play with here. Mm-hmm. Their pipeline for prospects is not great. So, you know, yeah, if, if, they, if they can bring in a guy, Nyquist, Maybe even Chris Kunitz, someone cheaper, you know, on the uh, on the market. Then yeah, but Luke Lindenning and some defenseman, cheap. I think they'll look lower end just to improve their depth. They could use a, a bit of an upgrade at fourth line center, in my opinion, than uh, Dylan Gambrell. And Radic Simek is playing on their first pairing right now with uh, Brent Burns. Eh, maybe you see what the price is on like a J. Bomeister or something, but um, I don't think they need to make a move. They're doing really well. They're going to make the playoffs. I think right now they're a dark horse, honestly. I think they're a team that no one's really been talking about because they were so below average to start the year. 
San Jose concerns me out of the West. I'm not going to lie. Um, they have a tough time beating Winnipeg. They have a tough time beating Nashville. Uh, they probably have a tough time beating Calgary, the way those three teams are right now. But a lot can happen to those three teams in the next few months. A lot can happen to the San Jose Sharks. You make the right move. You get the right line going. You get the right players going. This is a very, very deadly roster, potentially. And uh, I, I don't do much if I'm the Sharks. I keep everything going the way it is, but get get a little bit of help, just to be sure, because I think that they're closer to being a Stanley Cup contender than a lot of teams really talk about. Okay, you're a St. Louis Blues writer for Puck 77. I'm going to let you take the floor. What do the Blues do? Okay, so the Blues are, are kind of lying to themselves. Uh, <laughs> at, at, uh, at one point, uh, we were selling the farm. Uh, a couple weeks later, we were back in the hunt. Um, as it stands uh, today at the recording of this podcast, the St. Louis Blues are... <laughs> 53 points, one point behind Vancouver. They are the top team that is not in a playoff spot in the West. That being said, uh, any of the next six teams behind them could win a game and pass them. It is a logjam out West. Um, they, I, I don't know. Honestly, you, you framed it very well. I'm a Puck 77 writer for the St. Louis Blues. I have no idea what the hell this team is going to do. I put out an article one, about... <laughs> Look, I'd be surprised if Jeez. anyone in St. Louis knows what St. I, Louis is going to do. I at would this love, point. I would love for you to go on the radio and say all this shit. All right, we got Puck seventy seven writer James Cole. James, what do you think? Oh, who knows? Like, who's to say? Like, you know what I mean? This is just this is unsure as it gets. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you trade a defenseman, or maybe you get a defenseman. I don't know. Trade a defenseman for a defenseman. Who's to say? This is the twilight zone of the NHL right now. It I, is. I, I, wrote, I wrote an article about uh, trading away Vladimir Tarasenko, the pros and cons. The next day after it comes out, boom, we're back in the playoff race. Uh, all right, now my article makes no sense. A week later, oh, we got to trade uh, Pareko because we've fallen back out of the playoff race. A week later, we're back in the hunt. And and as, again, I mentioned, they are one point out right now, and they've got some questions. What do you do with Patrick Maroon? That's a guy that could really help a playoff team. You could probably get you know maybe a second-round pick. Maybe a low-end prospect for a guy like Patty Maroon at the deadline. That's something that might help the St. Louis Blues. They should trade him. On the other hand, if they make the playoffs, you might need a guy like Patrick Maroon in the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. Jay Bomeister, Carl Gunnarsson, those are the other uh, UFAs in the roster right now. A couple solid defensemen. Like, I wouldn't say Jay Bomeister's what he was at this point, but if, oh. if he's your third line... Oh. <laughs> he's on the back half, for sure. It, it, the the games remaining in Jay Bomeister's career could potentially be in the single digits at this point. He he's quite at the end of the line for if, sure. If if Bomeister's on your third pair, then that's fine. The problem here is that Bomeister is he's got the no trade clause. Mm-hmm. He's got a full no trade clause. That's the problem for me with with Patrick Maroon too, because he's a St. Louis boy. He's got oh, a no trade clause, yeah, and, so yeah. that'll be tricky. If you can convince him to go to go to contender, I think he's a good fit for. Honestly, a, a team we're going to get to in a few minutes in the Toronto Maple Leafs, but um, whether or not how, he wants to wave, I don't Do we know, know how long Perron's out for? Uh, David Perron, I, I don't think, is out much longer. I believe he's skating. He was ruled out the other night. But. Yeah, so you're going to get him back. I, I don't know. Like For me, I think this team, at the end of the day, if you want an honest answer to me, I think this team lives and dies. I'd by like an honest answer, yeah. <laughs> this team lives and dies. No, lie to me. Lie to uh, me. <laughs> this team live and, lives and dies with his goaltending. 
Mm-hmm. If if Allen and Bennington can carry the load over the next couple weeks and have them where they are today, just outside the playoffs, maybe just inside the playoffs, then okay, yeah, maybe don't sell off what you have and 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 take a go at this because you're not you're not going to lose much this off season. So, but if if the goaltending falls off and they and they disappear, then yeah, okay. whatever you can sell, sell. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Best team in the National Hockey League. What do you do? Uh, just keep being Tampa Bay. <laughs> what, what do you? Yeah, that doesn't hurt. What for sure? What do you want? Sure. What do you want to add to this team that they have eleven losses? Yeah, through fifty-three games, they won't add much to the roster. I think they'll. they some depth on the blue line wouldn't hurt. Sure. Uh, again, Oscar Fantenberg. Uh, what's left of Jay Bomeister? You know what I mean? Carl Gunnarsson. Anyone who doesn't need to play a lot of minutes, who's not going to eat up a ton of your cap, but. Um, I would yeah, even basically I, basically someone who's not under contract for next year that you don't absolutely need to put in the lineup, but you have the option to put in that might make it better if you have an injury or whatever. But I, I don't think they do much. Yeah, I, I would even maybe consider adding a, a guy on defense with some term because they're going to be potentially losing three key pieces of their mm-hmm. defense this this summer. I don't know if they can afford to bring all three back. So if you can find like kind of what Toronto did with Jake Muzzin, you bring in Jake Muzzin because you know you're going to lose Jake Gardner anyway, so you save some money. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, uh, that might be an option for them, but no, realistically, that they, they've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, wouldn't change a thing. So that said, uh, Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone have just been traded at the Tampa Bay. Line. Right, no, just kidding. yeah, for peanuts. For peanuts, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, which we we weren't going to set a timer for, but you know what? I think we will because I don't really think this is that long of a discussion. Not really. But may, but you and I do have differing opinions sometimes on our favorite teams. Yeah. So what what would you do if you're Kyle Dubas? Well, uh, he already did what I wanted him to do, flip the first-round pick and you know make this team a competitor. He did that by bringing in Jake Muzzin. Um, short of doing something similar with uh, you know bringing in a guy with some term to kind of help replace... Like, you, you look at next season might be... You don't, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but you look at next season, you just kind of say to yourself, like, oh, shit, what are they going to do with the fourth line? Mm-hmm. Maybe you bring in a fourth-line centerman that's got a year left moving forward to replace Par Lindholm moving... But... Again, that's 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 a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been some talk from the Dubis camp that he is looking to move Nikita Zaitsev. Um, maybe mix that with some retaining some salary on on the cap hit. If you can find someone to saddle up with and trade Nikita Zaitsev out of town, I think you have to. And not because I don't like I I don't have a problem with Nikita Zaitsev. I don't think he's the best leaf defenseman. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. If you dive into the deep numbers, he's actually been better than he was last year. Not quite as good as he was year one. So, Not but, since the All-Star break, but leading into the All-Star break, yeah. Yeah. Since the All-Star break, he's been a catastrophe, but it's only been three games. So. Yeah, I wouldn't panic. No. Uh, but it, it's just the cap hit and the length of the cap that we're talking about at this point. He sh- he's just too expensive to keep mm-hmm. on that roster. So if you can find a way to move him out, I would. Beyond that... I think you kind of just got to stay the course. These these young guys, they're only going to get better. The window's definitely open this season, but you don't want to give up so much that you risk next year, the year after, the year after that. Because we got a we got a big window here of the Leafs. The next five years, uh, it, it could be cups at any point. So mm-hmm. why panic? I'd... Depth at center would be a little bit nice, sure. just just to make sure. But I think their fourth line's good enough uh, to compete in the playoffs. The only thing that, uh, there's one thing I would consider, and there's one thing that I think Kyle Dubas is considering, and I think they're different things. If it were me, 
me personally, I'm looking into Keith Kincaid or, or someone to, to just in case Freddie Anderson gets hurt. Because I personally have next to no confidence in Garrett Sparks. But that's me. It's not matter of debate. That's just opinion. What I think they are looking at doing, and I wouldn't be terribly shocked, and I've, I've said this to a few people, I'm not necessarily sure Jake Muzzin is the biggest trade they're going to make before the deadline. Like, I do legitimately think they might find a fit for Zaitsev because there's been so much smoke around that guy lately that there are teams interested in Nikita Zaitsev. For whatever reason, I'm not going to dive into because that's another guy I don't really understand the the positives about too often. But if they can find a fit for Nikita Zaitsev, if they can find a fit for Nikita Zaitsev, I think they make a separate trade, and I do legitimately think that Brett Pesci might be coming in, that they might be moving out a guy like Janssen, and that Trevor Moore is going to play more in the playoffs. Got and you make a got... move that you potentially would have made in the summer a little bit early. you got, you got Tyler Ennis coming back too. Yep. So not yeah, necessarily Trevor Moore as, as the guy, right? I would prefer Moore and, and Ennis in and you move a guy like Goche out. But, sure. Um, but, you know, that's that's... That's just little things at this point. So, uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they move in a bigger fish still. But ultimately, what's most likely for the Leafs, they probably acquire a depth forward, and that's, that's then they're done. Hmm. So that, that's probably what's most likely. Because I yeah. think blue line depth, they're, they're fine. It's just up front. They might need to make a move. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks. The, that's that's a spicy meatball. What, uh, what do you do there? Okay. Um, Canucks fans, look, I, I like what you're doing this year. I, I admire it. I think you did you did a lot of good things this season. You know, Elias Pettersson's going to win the Calder. Um, might even get some heart votes for that matter. But I, I don't rush this rebuild. Just, just hang tight. Don't sell anything. Uh, sorry, don't 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 buy anything that you have to give up a whole bunch of your future for. Um. I would probably trade Alex Edler and just see what you get for the rest of the season. Like I, I don't know. I like it. Like I, I like where Vancouver's at right now. I, I want to say that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen. And I'd, I'd hate to see them convince themselves that they are something that they're not, and wind up, you know, bringing in a big rental for, you know, a high pick and maybe a, a mid-level prospect only to, you know, fall short of even making the playoffs and now you've you've lost out on, on something instead of acquiring some future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the exact opposite. I think, well, not the exact opposite. Definitely no mortgage the future. So Quinn Hughes and Ole Levy and those guys, you're not trading. But, uh, in my opinion, Vancouver has the deepest prospect pool in the league. I think they can dive in and trade some of their mid to low end guys for a little bit of help, but not a big fish. So you're not in on Panarin, you're not in on Stone, but you know you're in on Furland at maybe your high end of a player you're looking at, and low end you're in on some depth help. You know uh, Luke Glendening or something. You know what I mean? Like I think this team has played well enough that they have earned a little bit of help, uh, and I think this is the team still, in my opinion, that maybe sneaks into that last wild card spot. But, um, don't get too creative and too jumpy here. You're right. Like, you know what I mean? There's no need to go out and trade 
Jet Wu for a fucking, you know, a high name forward or something like that. There's really no benefit to it. I think this team is good enough that they could shock a team in the first round. I don't expect them to, but I think they're good enough um, in terms of the way they play. But I think their talent level could use a little bit of help. So I think they could use some depth. I think they could use a trade. And uh, goaltending is honestly one spot that I would look at because uh, Thatcher Demko just got hurt last night. And Michael DiPietro is now their backup goaltender, which, like, at 19 years old, I don't really think we need Michael DiPietro sitting on the bench every night. So, unless he's starting, which is also a terrible idea, um, I, I would maybe send him down. So, I uh, I probably, unless the next few games go catastrophically, I don't think I'd move out uh, any pieces you have, unless it's, like, a beagle or a terrible contract, you know what I mean? Antoine Roussel. Yeah. What did I just say? That was a bad contract, you know. Brandon Sutter, a horrible contract. But yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, good we'll stuff. I, I like Vancouver could be chasing two or three teams by the end of the weekend, right? So yeah, it's it's really it's really. I tough. I, I think they are by and large the best team in that race, though. And I'd say Colorado. They're not well. Yeah, Colorado's weird, though. I almost don't even put them in that race. Like, I just assume Colorado's going to make the playoffs because Minnesota's going to fucking fall off a dump truck, but that's just me. Uh, The Washington Capitals, the defending Stanley Cup champions. What would you do? I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like, I I think Carl Hagelin's a nice fit for them out of Los Angeles. Um, That being said, I think that they should definitely consider flipping the first. Um, defending cup champions, that division's kind of wide open right now. Um, you're going to get a tougher matchup if you can't find a way to catch the Islanders uh, at this point. So um, I'd be taking a good, hard, long look at the Ottawa Senators and what they're willing to give up if I'm Washington and say, hey, you guys don't have a first-round pick. We have a first-round pick. We'd like you to take our first-round pick and maybe put it to some good use because we don't need it. Um, because we're Stanley Cup champions and you are not. So, hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think that'd be uh, a nice fit. I, I I think Stone is the guy that ends up staying in Ottawa. So I would I would consider maybe Duchesne as an option. But if you come to if you come to Washington and you're Duchesne, you know, all of a sudden you're playing a, a third a third role, <laughs> um, which is kind of frightening to think about. Now, but now you're picky. Yeah. So, was picky uh, before. Yeah, I don't know. Like there, there is some discussion about Panarin. You know, the whole Russian connection with Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, uh, Orlov, those those type of guys. So you bring the the Russian in, but he's not someone you're going to want to hang on to moving forward. I don't think because I don't think you can afford him. So Panarin would be strictly a, a rental uh, for Washington. But definitely flip that first. They don't need it. Like, what are they going to get out of the Ovechkin era that they haven't already? I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. Uh, they're going to get Kevin Hayes. Uh, okay. Uh, I skipped a team because I'm not used to them being a team. So the Vegas Golden Knights start with a V, not a W. Mm. What does Vegas do? Because uh, they're kind of in a situation, you know, like they're not what they were last year, but they're also what they were last year because the roster hasn't changed much. But what do you do if you're Vegas? Because you're, you're making the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, you in my opinion, are probably not beating the two teams ahead of you in the division. Like, again, it's one of those, once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury. So. That is, that would be the third seed that I think has the least a opportunity of getting out of that division. But, um, what, do, what do you do if you're Vegas? 
just well, add depth kind of thing. Yeah, or? like you're going to be starting on the road here in the playoffs for sure. Um, this is this is a team that they got three third round picks this year. They got three second round picks next year. Just maybe flip a couple of those, bring in some defensive depth. I would look at Jensen. I would look at Bolio, and mm-hmm. just shore up your defense. There, those those two guys are young enough where you could probably convince them to stick around. Um, Derek England's going to come off the books. I think Derek England's a nice story in Vegas, but I think it's you know from a reality standpoint, I think you move on from De- Derek England. And if you replace him with a guy that's ten years younger, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? I'm sir. sorry, it's a business. He he um, is a Vegas golden boy. Yeah, is what he uh, is. That's, that's nice. Uh, uh, yeah, like you're going to get Eric Halla back uh, eventually before the playoffs. Uh, you're going to you're going to get Holden back. So yeah, I don't know. I. I Grab a seventh defenseman and and hang on to him for moving forward. But other than that, there's not much you can do. Like you're not going to sell. You got some pieces that are coming up as UFA, but you can't sell those guys. So yeah, I don't know. Flip a flip a mid round pick and bring in a, a depth guy and just kind of hope that you get through the first round. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, depth. I, I don't know. I I I I don't think Vegas is in a position right now where they should bring in guys that are better than what they've got. Like, this is just a team of pure depth as it is. So I would say just add to that. But aside from it, like, there's no real big fish available on defense this year for you to go after. And, you know what I mean? Like, Brett Pesci's on the trade board. Well, Brett Pesci's only available for the right kind of price. And do the Vegas Golden Knights benefit from paying that price? Well, no. Does Brett Pesci benefit by going there? Well, no. Like, he's probably the best defenseman available this year. And there's argument to be made whether or not he's even available. So, uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm Vegas, there's not a ton I'm gonna do, to be honest with you. They're kind of a wild card to me, and I wouldn't like. They're definitely they can't mortgage the future, because again, I don't think they're coming out of that division. But they went to the Cup final last year, so you know what? There's something to be said about experience. Sure. <laughs> Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, lastly, will, last but not least, end us off in our team previews. James, what do you think the Winnipeg Jets will do at the trade deadline? I think there's two options for the Winnipeg Jets here. Um, I'm more convinced on one than I am the other, and I think that they're going to go up there and they're going to try to find um, some center help, uh, be that Derek Broussard, be it Kevin Hayes, the guy I like for them is is Braden Shen. If if St. Louis decides that they want to start selling off some pieces, I don't know if St. Louis is still in that boat, as I mentioned. So it's tough to say. But I, I think center help is is definitely their their focus. Um. Beyond that, I think if they want to get really interesting and really creative, they might go out and try to land a big name defenseman. Get rid of the first round pick. Um, they're going to have a, quite the situation this off season in that they might lose one of Myers or Truba or both for that matter. Um, Dustin Bufflin's body is not going to be able to play Dustin Bufflin hockey for ever. So how many, how, how many more runs do you have out of that guy? They, you know, maybe they take a look, good hard look at a team like Anaheim or Carolina who have, you know, a surplus of defensemen and say, Hey, here's a, Here's a first. Here's a, a prospect. Uh, what 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 can we get from you? And yeah, maybe you're talking about bringing in a big a big fish on D. Yeah, maybe. I, I wrote an article about this last week. Um, my thought at the time was that they're going to get Broussard. 
and Nathan Beaulieu were the two names that I, I kind of centered out. My perspective has shifted a little in that I still think those are the two most likely names. I don't think they're as unlikely a candidate for Mark Stone as they were at the time. I do think that, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of rumors about who's in on Mark Stone. And my thought is that generally Winnipeg is the most closed-off organization in terms of news leaking out. Winnipeg keeps most things close to the chest. Mostly be, be, because, and this is not a slight at, Winnip- at the Winnipeg Jets, but they have one of the smaller staffs in terms of organizations, so there's not a lot of sources for the news to get loose. I think no news is sort of might be good news in that sense, and I do think Mark Stone is a likely candidate for them. Um, he's a Winnipeg boy, so you know he'd love it there. You know they'd love the shit out of him, man. Like, holy fuck would they love him in Winnipeg. Uh, so, I think it's not as unlikely as it was. The problem is that Mark Stone is almost guaranteed a rental for you. You'd have to get really creative and sort of reshape the makeup of your team to fit Mark Stone in long term. So unless you want to let Patrick Line sign an offer sheet and tell him to fuck off, you're kind of stuck. Right. And you're going to have to let Stone walk. So we'll see what happens, but I, I still do legitimately think... I, I'm I am like 80% sure they're going to get Derek Broussard. Bolyu's just kind of a name, but I think they'll get a Bolyu type. I think Bolyu would be a good fit for them. But I think Stone's kind of third on that possibility list for them. Um, I wrote an article, like other names, like Kevin Hayes is a fit there. But they're going to make a move, and I don't think it's going to be a small one. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll get some help up front. Whether or not they need it, I don't know. But um, anything else on the Jets? Not really. Okay. Uh, I was trying to come up with a name quickly for a defenseman that would be a, a big fish, and I just... My my initial thought was Duncan Keith, but he's just got so many years left on his contract. Yeah. It's not going to make if sense. If Duncan Keith were a rental, it'd be fantastic. But. Not even a rental. Like I'm looking at a like a, when I'm saying big fish, I'm thinking like a guy with like maybe two or three years left at a cap hit that's you know going to be cheap. Oh yeah, them. but big fish requires them being a big fish, not a shell of the former selves. I would consider Jake Muzzin a big fish. So would I. Jake sure. Muzzin's better than Duncan Keith, though. Okay. At that's, this point, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that that is it this week. Uh, we did run over time, so we're not going to be able to do the top ten, but overtime. we will release it. Yeah, we will release it separately though, because we uh, we did it, so we may as well talk about it. But um, yeah, James has to go, so it's not going to be part of the main episode. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter, <laughs> like us on Facebook, love us. On, I didn't prepare one this week, so love us on nothing. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's your trade deadline preview episode. We will be back with, I guess, the bonus episode here of the top ten that we didn't get to this week. We will be back next week with a regular episode on Thursday, February 14th. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. You got anything? I'm all for one on Roll the Rim. Nice. I was supposed to do an Airedale ad, but uh, we didn't get to it. So, And I guess we'll get to the Sedines next week. Classic. All right. See you later. Goodbye.
together.